Hello, and welcome back to the RGB Podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers, back with you once again uh, to talk about family. Yeah, family. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that, but uh, yeah, this is big, the big fast episode, <laughs> late to the party as usual. Of course. It came out about two weeks ago. It's been dominating the box office. Uh, we assume if you're interested, you've already seen it. Unless I'm sure there are people who are like, "Oh, I really want to," but I also don't feel super safe going to a theater yet. Mm-hmm. Who are probably still holding out. But the biggest opening since 2019. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Uh, but yeah, we've both seen it. Uh, just the one time for you, still. Right. Did you go back a second time? Nope, just the one. Okay. How about you? Uh, just the one time. Okay. As well. Uh, Mr. Brendan Riley, shout out. He might be listening. He might check this one out. Maybe we'll call him, get his ranking over the phone. Yeah, we could do he's that. Awake right I now. would love that. Actually. Probably not. Probably not. He's, I don't know. He's probably out partying. So. He's an international man. It is a Friday mystery. night. Yeah. I have to work tomorrow morning, by the way. Oh, wow. So. Hey, I don't. At some point, we'll have to hit the brakes. Okay. Well, we won't pop off too much. It'll be all right. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Bring, bring the heat. Bring those guys in. Bring the rain. Yeah, yeah sure. Bring the heat. Um, I was gonna say maybe you bring those guys in to the next movie. Maybe that. Maybe that's how you. Spice oh yeah, it they're up. chasing. They're chasing. What's his face in London again? Trying to find these. You sure. Know. Uh, so the plan is we're not gonna do like a full on F nine review. We'll talk about it obviously, but we're yeah. just we're gonna do our franchise ranking. There's ten of these officially now. Yes. And so we're gonna we're gonna go through. One for one. But we'll get to that in a minute. We've seen some stuff yeah. since the last time we chatted. One thing I did want to bring up, and I hope you listen to it. You know, I know you avoid podcasts that you're not in. Yeah. Unless they're produced by, you know, professionals. Yes. Established professionals. Right. Uh, People with ads. But like did you happen to listen to the trailer reaction, the Halloween Kills trailer reaction from the Brothers Blanchard? I, I did. And I... Watched it myself before I listened to it, and I was like, "Okay, yeah." I it's it's weird, dude. I think I've told you this a couple times. I'll say it again. I try not to like watch or do anything to the buildup of anything I know I want to see because it's just gonna put a timestamp on it, and it's gonna take forever to get here. I did it with Logan. I did it with all these like superhero movies I was waiting for. I'm just tune it out. Don't look at it. Don't bother with it. Okay. I mean, thank God I didn't do a black widow. It's taking forever. Right. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. finally out in theaters, you know, or F nine for that matter. Full year. I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even, it honestly, I found myself being like, wait a minute. I saw eight, right? Did we not see that trailer before bad boys? Yes, for life? we did. Yeah. It was yeah. planning on, yeah, it got punted and you know, I, maybe good call with you know the returns you got yes. i could say okay all of that aside what did you think of the trailer oh my god i hate i watched it i'm ready for it now like i just oh you're amped okay what well, yeah of course i love it okay it's halloween baby i should have i should have assumed as much so that's gavin's take it's halloween baby um this is the least excited i've been by a halloween trailer in my like conscious time of them coming out really yeah i do i agree with their assessment that it is a mess um and it's like super violent which is not an issue but i am like dude if there's that many in the trailer what is this movie gonna be like 
I'm full. I'm still excited. We're going opening yeah, uh, night. Yeah, like I'm, I'm amped. But I was like, I was already going to see this regardless. But right. this trailer has me semi worried that like, what are they? For how they were trying to sell it, I guess to people who they're reintroducing it to, and it felt like they were just like, dude, it's been a while. We delayed this. Like we got to grab people's attention again. Mm-hmm. And I was a little, I was a little put off by it personally. Okay. But I'm still, I mean, we'll see what happens, dude. I mean, I love you, and I love <laughs> Matt and Pat, but it's called Halloween Kills, so, you know. It is, indeed. This isn't, you know, this isn't crime and punishment. I just want you to remember, the more he kills, the more he transcends, you know? Yeah. It's Thorn, baby. It's always been it's Thorn. It's the goddamn Mark of Thorn, <laughs> Thorn dude. dude. It's always been Thorn. I, I had I did appreciate the uh he got the season of the witch mask on a yeah. bunch of like dead bodies yeah. in the backyard, a bunch mm-hmm. of murdered trick or treaters. Dude, bring that guy back. Old uh the the, the descendant of uh, uh what's his face? What is his name? Connell Cochran. Cochran, yes. Yeah. yeah. No Yeah, bring in a Cochran. Yeah. And see my thing is bring, mix it up. Yeah. You can do whatever. Also I just want to call this in advance because I don't know when we'll talk about it again before we do our big review episode that evening after mm-hmm. we see it. I am of the opinion Jamie Lee's making it out of this movie. Nah, bro. She's going to make the three. This is going to be it, dude. This is the final, final, you think? But I, I, I think that's where, that's where you fuck with people is you take her out of the equation in this one. Nobody would be expecting it. Right, because you're expect you're expecting the final confrontation between Laurie and Michael. Well, wasn't that supposed to be? I mean, we had such great finality. She burns the house down, you know. Right, but we're undoing all of that. We are undoing all the catharsis of that. So, I think it would be a really interesting subversion. And you know how she loves to exit this franchise in shocking ways that they don't sell to you up front. But I, I'm like, what if she dies in the climax of two? And we know there's a third one coming. And what interesting territory does that leave us in? Yeah. With possibly Tommy Doyle taking center stage. I mean, that that rings true. I could understand that. But I just feel like either she's, if you if she's going to die, she's going to die. And she won't be in the movie, like most of the movie. But it, or she'll be incapacitated, not around for most of the movie, and then come back in three for the big finale. One of the two. Because, I mean, yes, she's in it, but it doesn't seem like she's in it a lot. But I think we're making it a generational thing, obviously. So maybe they want to pass the torch at some point, And killing her off would be the best way to do that. If you're really wanting to hand off to the granddaughter or something. No, then you kill the mom. Lori Strode's life got fucked up at 17. Her shattered completely. What's going to shatter this girl? Not losing her grandmother, losing her own mother. Word tears tears Lori's so heart we, out we even more. Judy Greer. Yeah, right. you killed Judy Greer this one, and then the second one is like some off the grid shit in Mexico, okay. and okay. they just pop okay. up and they're just going to take him down wherever he's. You know, we'll get there he, in, in October. Yes, we will. Twenty twenty one. It's only two months okay. away. So, shocker, <laughs> Gavin's super amped on it. I'm a little less amped. We're still going to see it. Nothing has changed. Yeah, uh, our plans have not changed. Uh, but yeah, I just want there to be the moment that we had in theaters together 
where we turn and look at each other. Yeah. Do we know for a fact that Carpenter's doing like more new music for this one? I have no idea. I have no idea. Everything I've seen on his speed stuff. I either... do love that distended string version that they're using in the trailer. I actually oh, really yeah. liked that. Um, uh-huh. The one of the few things that I was like, oh, I did dig that though. Mm-hmm. I've, only, I've watched it twice. I watched it once and then listened to their episode. Yeah. And then watched it once afterwards. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little worried. Veronica was not excited at all. She may not be joining us. Yeah. But we'll see. Okay. Uh, well, that's obviously one thing we've watched. So what else? You yeah, we do? watched a trailer. We yeah. Don't, we don't really do trailer talk very often. No. There you have it. Uh, some new ones? Yeah. Movies? TV? What are we doing? Uh, let me do TV. TV. Okay, we're both watching Loki. We'll, we'll catch up or... We'll do a, a season wrap-up, a brief yeah. discussion between us. Uh, you have not watched five yet. I just watched five earlier today. Um, so far, I said this to you off mic, probably my favorite of the three oh, yeah. uh, that we've gotten so far. Indeed. And I hope that holds true uh, in the finale, but we'll talk about that when it happens. We both finished Hacks. I think we briefly talked about that at the top of our last 2 by 2 yes. maybe, that we both finished it, and we highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. Lupin, part two on Netflix? Nope. Nope. You never dove in. Part one nope. and part two are out. This is the, the French uh, heist thriller, uh, mystery thriller, centering around the, the classic French detective, but this is somebody who's just inspired by the character it's a whole thing i've talked about it before yeah part two is even better than part one and i loved even though because it basically set the table for it to become more of like the lupin that i know in terms of like just different adventures and stuff Mm -hmm. where part one and part two were very centered around like his family and everything but no spoilers but things are basically set up where it's like his he now has his team and his crew and we can kind of take the show wherever it can go outside of France mm-hmm. now. It can be more international. And I think that's where they're headed with it. And I was so amped and I was like, okay, but maybe that's all we're getting. And literally, like, as soon as the credits hit, it's like Lupin will return in part three. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, they already, like, greenlit this shit. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. You should catch up on it at some point. Uh, side note for Netflix, which I've been watching a lot of lately, uh, we're both, I think, mid, or you haven't even started. I think you should leave season two. I watched the first episode and had to turn it off because I was like, I am going to stay and watch this entire show. Okay, yes. But we're the, we're trying to pace but ourselves. The, the Coffins TV show. Yes. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous, man. Um, <laughs> I want to bring up bits, but I don't know if you've gotten to certain things. Probably I not. can't remember what was in the first episode. We've watched like three or four. We're trying to save room, but anyways, it's great. I noticed this though, and I don't know that it would pop up for you. Hopefully, it will when it. I think it's like a week or two out. They're doing like a standalone episode of Kingdom. Hmm. The Korean show. Yeah. Did you ever catch up on that? I thought you. Yeah, yeah, I finished it all. So, I don't know when it's set. I don't know because you remember like the end of season two jumped like yeah way into the future. And I'm like, I don't know if it picks up from there or if it's a prequel to all of this stuff, mm-hmm. but it's an extended episode. It's like an hour and 30 minutes, so it's basically like a little mini kingdom movie hmm. that we're getting in like a week or two. I had no idea. Oh, I was kind of wondering, like, is season three happening? But we're 
it's 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 identifying it as like a special episode, like a Bandersnatch or something, yeah. if you will. Like don't a even talk about. I mean, we talked to me about Black Mirror, dude. But I'm so mad. Anyways, yes. So keep an eye out for that. It's in a week or two. We will definitely discuss. Uh, have you checked out This Is Pop? I I added. I saw it. I definitely want to watch. Highly it. recommend it. We just finished all the episodes today. They were all enjoyable. Even the ones that I was like not excited to watch, you know, because we just kind of jumped through the playlist. We didn't go in order or anything. Mm-hmm. And even yeah, even the ones I was like reticent to watch, like when country goes pop, were all they were all fascinating and interesting, and all had their like own individual vibe, which was cool. Mm-hmm. They weren't just all like one singular structure. They had different narrators different presentation some of them are like boys to men episode the opener is like centrally focused on them Mm -hmm. but then you have other episodes where it's like okay well we're exploring a genre or a period of time or a style or whatever so but it's an interesting mix i can't wait for season two it was a one of the more well-produced little series on netflix i've seen it a bit i enjoyed Mm. it uh this is pop uh we're both watching dave season two thoroughly enjoying it uh, oh yes dynamite chuck. stuff so good chuck <laughs> yeah great stuff chuck uh <laughs> that's it dude you, that's perfect i started great have stuff, not chuck. gone any further but uh i did start season two of the naked director on netflix hmm. uh, which i've talked about before again definitely an acquired taste i i love it i think it's one of the best imports if you will one of the best foreign language shows they have other than kingdom is the naked director uh, which again is about the most famous pornographer in all of Japan, and we've moved into the '90s now in season two. Most hmm. of season one takes place in the '80s, but uh, yeah, if you want like a, a wild, crazy sex comedy, like a Japanese version of Boogie Nights mixed with like American Pie, uh, check out okay. The Naked Director on Netflix. Uh, definitely the horniest show. Uh, <laughs> probably ever made okay that's all my recent tv you got anything um let's see uh black monday finished all three seasons of that word oh uh, yeah we still have showtime which yeah i should i should check it out yeah it's really good I we're think gonna talk about it. don Cheadle in a little bit I think. oh yeah um dave did i okay i'm gonna consider this a, a show because it's at least four episodes to me that constitute the show watch the last narc on uh on Amazon, pretty good. Okay. And uh, are you familiar? You know anything about it? I mean, it's I'm familiar with it from the it being in our watch list, and I've definitely watched the trailer. Yeah. But basically, it's it's years later. It's I don't you know. There's no truth to anything. You know who knows what's what now. But it's basically alleging that like the U.S. government was maybe possibly aware of. Uh, the DA agent Kiki Camarena, Camarena, like they knew what was going to happen and go down with him because that would push their narrative on the war on drugs. Because if you look at what happened after he got killed, it was basically like open season on all narcos. Okay, it gave them the the reason to do so. It talks about how a lot of the Mexican, like in '85, everything shifts from like Miami to Mexico. It's like a more prevalent threat of what's in another country, so we can stop it from getting here, as opposed to. The shit's flooding our shores in Miami. Maybe Miami's a lost cause. Of course, by 85, you have a lot of the big players who are, like, laying low or moving around. But a lot of it goes through 
starts to come through Mexico in 85. And once he gets killed, there's a big shift in what they do. DEA presence goes up, more money gets funded to him. But it was really wild because they even had like audio of like Reagan calling his widower and like the real in-depth interview with her. Have you listened to a lot of podcasts about this period of time? No. Purely, okay. purely just my own reading and my own watching of documentaries about it. So, when are you going to give us, like, the ultimate Florida 80s drug saga? Oh, okay. Yeah. Your cocaine cowboys in audio form, which will be, I mean, the most well-produced thing we've ever put out. And it'll be full of a, an original synthwave soundtrack from NARC. Right, yeah, no, but, but seriously... We could start collaborating on this and like legit make this a thing because we could get like really good voice actors to do different parts. We could make up fake characters and we could basically do like our own Scarface slash Escobar slash Miami Vice. Miami Vice do the dual the dual stories. Two friends from the same neighborhood, in Miami. One grows up to be a, a a coke dealer. One grows up to be Miami Vice or like DEA. How they're impacted and tell their story back and forth. How they're, yeah, how it's fleshed out. Go through the whole, you know, yeah, dude, I got, yeah, we should totally do that. Like, for real, let's let's talk about it off mic. Okay. Yeah, we'll workshop it. Anyway, um, Last Narc, really good. Dangerous Nights. Yeah, Dangerous Nights. You haven't gotten to that episode yet. No, I was just saying that's what you could call it, and then it's a, also a, I think, I yeah, think you okay. should leave reference, which you haven't gotten to yet. Oh, I thought you were like. We could call it Miami Nights, but then it might be stealing from Oakland Nights. <clears throat> you don't want to do that. Oakland Nights. Um, and I guess, yeah, we, you hit all the other TV I had. I watched the Resident Evil that just came out, Infinite Darkness. It's four mini 30-minute episodes. I don't know if you want to call oh, it a season. series. Okay. Yeah, it's just like four. It basically it would be a two-hour movie, but they just kind of chopped it up into four episodes. Um, all right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Everything, I mean, Black, I was off. On, I missed on the whole that f- note, On that note, while we're right there, I watched the uh, the new Gundam that is on Netflix, oh. uh, Hathaway. Okay. I have not watched a lot of the connective tissue, because, like, from the era that I remember, this is set, like, way down the road. But the lead character is, like, the son of one of the characters I know from the original okay. run. Okay. And so I was a little lost, but I was enjoying it. And then I, it, it did eventually just kind of completely overwhelm me. And I could not, I could not keep up with like where the allegiances were, what side people were on, who I I was very lost in the narrative. Right. And it also was doing something very different with like the way they approach the Gundams themselves and like the action sequences. Mm hmm. Um, almost all of them were set at night, so a lot of stuff is like, like gorgeous animation, but a lot of it like hidden in shadow kind of thing. Hmm. I don't know. It was a. I had mixed feelings on it, and hmm. I also was just like, well, maybe if I was more well versed in like the last chunk of lore, uh, yeah, I would have gotten into it more. But apparently, it's part one of like a three part series hmm. that will all be coming to netflix but so maybe it'll make more sense still gorgeous to look at and like it's the it's the first new like thing from the original creator first new narrative from the original creator in like several years or Hmm. like several decades i think 
he's done some like one-offs but this is anyways hmm. so check it out if you're like but i think hardcore fans are like loving it and i feel like i was just not well versed enough to fully appreciate it but i still i, I liked it okay that's good okay transitioning into movies with that uh i watched false positive mm-hmm. on hulu did mm-hmm. you check this out uh, don't know, and I, I don't remember seeing it. Alana Glazer from Broad City, uh-huh. uh huh, and Justin Thoreau. Whoa, are, okay. They're they're trying real hard to get pregnant. They're having trouble, so they go see a fertility doctor who's also an old friend of Justin Thoreau's character. Fertility doctor is played by Pierce Brosnan. Oh, and basically, she starts to think like, okay, she gets pregnant immediately. Okay. Because like, she sleeps with Pierce Brosnan. Hey, that's just what he does. No. That's, that's how he got to the jump. <laughs> Spoilers. You're like remarkably close in a way that you don't even understand <laughs> what you just said. So spoilers for the end of this movie that was what I'll ultimately say. It, it was, was sold it, as like this is it's 824 surprisingly. Oh, I'm in. You would think so, right? Right. I don't know if it was just the aesthetic of watching it on Hulu or legit the way it was shot, it felt like, I don't know if this was intentional, it felt like a bizarre Lifetime movie. Yeah. Like, not, you know, it felt like I was watching a TV movie. It did yeah. not feel like this could have ever been released in a theater. Uh-huh. So I was a little surprised by that. But maybe that's what it was going for. I don't know. Uh, and it was kind of sold as like a, a Rosemary's Baby riff. That was going to have maybe more of a comedic bent to it. Mm-hmm. And the comedy never really, like, none of it fully lands. Pierce Brosnan, though, is amazing in it. Okay. I almost want you to watch it just because, like, he seems like he knows what movie this is supposed to be. Right. But, like, Justin Throw and Alana Glazer are trapped in, like, another episode of Leftovers. Different. Basically. No, Not that would that. be great. I would love that. What are you talking about? No, they're trapped in, like, a a bad lifetime movie hmm. uh that is able to that would is somehow on hbo okay uh, because you know it's r-rated it's allowed to do shit right um but yeah it did not fully come together but as much of a we a weird misfire as it is like points for straight up weirdness the some the closing moments of this dude like the last like 10 15 minutes some wild shit pretty like bold shit that i was at least like you know what if i had that like 14 year old you know written vhs's from sycamore brain still mm-hmm. where it was just like just show me something fucked up like that's enough for me to be like oh that was great also like, like you show me not, something i've never seen before something like so it's not just the rose baby it's pierce brosnan's baby is that what it is i'm not gonna spoil it i, I mean that's it right but you can but just not, nod your head if I'm right. But not in the way that you think. But obviously, it's kind of obvious from the get-go that, yeah, Pierce Brosnan is possibly evil. Maybe he's the devil. Maybe he's not. He oh. also has an assistant played by Gretchen Maul. She also knows what movie she's in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Alana Glazer and Justin Theroux don't. They just, the way they're written and, like, I don't know, dude. I had a lot of issues with it. Yeah. But it's an interesting misfire. It's one of those where I'm like, you know what? Save it for October. Throw it in the bunch. Um, but it's supposed to be a comedy. 
No, it's a horror movie. Oh, oh, good. Okay, you um, said like the comedic bits. That, didn't that's land. how it was sold, though. I'm telling you, is like oh. it seemed like it was going to have more of like a dark comedic bent to it, and there are moments of that in the movie that never like fully land. I got you. But I was saying the Pierce Brosnan stuff kind of works enough where you should check it out. Okay. Maybe you'll love it. Who knows? I might be. Uh, I watched F9. Big surprise. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, And then after... We'll get to this in our conversation, but after binging five Fast and the Furious movies in the span of about three days, I needed to cleanse my palate after I saw F9 in the theater. So you went and saw Zola. No, I needed to cleanse my palate. Dude, I wanted to go... In the absolute opposite direction of everything that those movies are. Uh So I needed it to be still and calm and character driven and black and white. (laughs) So I thought, what's the antithesis of a fast movie? It's an Ozu movie. So I've talked about it before. Tokyo Story, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Maybe ball my eyes out. I watched Late Spring which is the first in that kind of trilogy of movies mm-hmm. that ends with Tokyo Story. Okay. And in much the same way that I watched Tokyo Story, and I was just like, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching, and then by the end of it, I'm just like completely wrecked. This one, I'm like, oh, okay, this is, you know, I'm I'm following the story, I'm, I'm interested, but it's like, it's very, it's very low stakes, it's just like character-driven, emotional stuff or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, last, like, literally, like, the final, like, scene and a half, I'm just like, oh, 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 fuck, I didn't realize, I didn't realize I cared this much about this, <laughs> this 27-year-old spinster in Japan, and, like, whether she's gonna be able to, like, leave her father's home and leave, like, taking care of her father so she can go out and, like, find a husband, because, like, everybody's like, you gotta get married, you gotta get married, but she's just like, why can't I just stay with my dad? I love my dad. I love taking care of my dad. Oh God, man! Don't even talk like that. I, dude. I'm this is you. why are they? Oh. it's so. Every so day I'm really dude. mad. That we... It just absolutely another one absolutely wrecked me, dude. I'm just like it, he. He might be the greatest director of all time. You know what? When, so when did good. this come out? So good. That one, the late spring is uh, fifty. Hold on, I got you. Excuse me, late spring is 1949. You know, if I was going to be, if I was going to like try and, you know, make a name for myself in the world of like cinema slash like cinema research, I would do a deep study on this era in Japanese film and look at it from the angle of like, what does it say about all these movies that have come out here from the only society and ethnicity of people that ever had an atomic bomb dropped on them that they seem to understand more about the human experience more than anything else is it because of that have they always known that but they were reminded of that of when that those you know the war and all that what is it because it seems like all this stuff that you talk about that like grips you and grabs you in ways that you don't think is going to and you're just you find yourself in this weird it just i find it very revealing and telling that it comes from a culture the only culture so like specific and lived in and of that culture yeah 
and then it transcends and becomes like completely universal I, I, again I've only seen like three of his movies but every single one of them is just like absolutely mind blowing and again so calm and still and like very few edits and like yeah, long dialogue scenes and stuff and it's just like I am completely enraptured by all of them dude but even when I'm just like kind of casually I'm watching and I'm following along and I'm like it like creeps up on me that like Oh, he's been like compounding all of this stuff through the entire movie, and then it literally pays off in the final scene. And I'm like bawling my fucking eyes out, dude. Mm-hmm. Just ah, oh, so good, incredible. That was late spring, so that was my my antidote. My I need to I need a break from the fast franchise. I want to go home. Um, I want to get on, put on sweats, and I want to have a beer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, over on old HBO Max. I was waiting for this one, dude. I, I had one of the most killer movie weekends this past weekend. Just kicked it off with No Sudden Move on yeah. Thursday night on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. You watched it as well, right? Yeah, yeah. What'd you think? Oh, I... Leave it to old Soderbergh to tell me this story and then just, like, dump it in, like, one of the most random time periods that I've never even, like... It's always been there, but I've never known was there. Like... Of course, that was a huge thing with, like, the U.S. pollution, the catalytic converters, all that shit. But, like, you know, and I, I may, I've made a point before because I've been the one that's He's like... Not gonna, did you listen to the WTF episode? No, I haven't. I want to, I want to listen okay, to that. Okay, well, I'll be the guy who brings it up. But yeah. anyways, at one point, he's like... He distinguishes between movies and films, and he's like, "No, this one's a movie." And I, after watching it, because I was listening to that interview or whatever, and then I was like, "Okay, they're starting to talk about the movie a bit. I just want to watch it tonight, and then I'll come back to this." And so I come back to it, and I'm just like, "Dude, you're so full of shit, man. You were acting like it was a movie the whole time. Turns out it was a film. Turns out you had something to say, like you fucking always do." But he like. He sneaks it in there at the end of the, not even the end of, kind of like, it's kind of before the third act, like, finale. But as soon as that uncredited cameo comes in, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it. Pro- people probably already have, but yeah, uh, when he kind of comes in and lays everything out and you're like, oh, it's about this now, dude. And it's like, you're already layering it on top of so many other, like, you know. Yeah. And it's brilliant stuff stacked cast i was uh, i was talking to a good friend of the of the pod good friend of mine evan doing uh through text about no sudden move and i one of the things i brought up is i was just like i felt like Cheadle was the most dialed in i've seen him in a while and he just seemed so jazzed to be like I'm not in just. I'm not just playing Rhodey again in another and yet another Marvel. You know, you know thing. what I think of when you like, say that? I finally get to play a character again. Thank God, I am going to just like devour this role. He's incredible, Benicio del Toro, man. I mean, when when is he not like just one of the most compelling screen presences that we have? You just can't take your eyes off him, dude. Every single line delivery and choice is just like nobody else. He's got that Nick Cage energy of just nobody else would deliver this exact same line of dialogue. Nobody else would even approach it the way you just did. How the fuck do you come up with this stuff? Incredible. David Harbour. 
Oh my god, dude. You didn't know? I'm not you're not saying anything. You didn't what know. What do you mean I didn't know? I love David Harbour and everything. Yes. I'm just saying he and Benicio in particular, I would like on the floor laughing with some of the yes. stuff. Just so funny, so dark. Stacked cast. Amy Simons killing it. Little Noah Jupe mm-hmm. killing it. Karen Culkin for a little bit. A little um, bit. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Ray, John Hamm. John Hamm. Ray Liotta. Dude, Brendan fucking Fraser, man. Yeah. First that. scene with him and Cheadle, I was like, dude, where have you been? Like, I'm so glad to have you back in movies, dude. And please I tell miss, me that you put I on weight for the guy. role. Like, that is not <clears throat> a problem. Like, I think he has put on weight over the years. Now. Yeah. I mean, literally, and I don't know when it was shot in relation to it, but he is doing the Aronofsky movie called The Whale, which is about like a morbidly obese guy who can't leave his home. That makes sense. It's so probably, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. He probably put on weight, and then I assume they're doing prosthesis in addition to that yeah. to like really play it up. Well, no, you, that when comes you, out later this year as well, if I'm not when mistaken. You, I think it's when you shot. mentioned like you know um, he looks like he's so happy to like be in a an actual role role and not just like in another Marvel thing. I instantly went to like the first time when you meet him in in Ocean's Eleven, and he's like. It'd be nice working with proper villains again. Like it's like it's nice to work with people who want to put me in a who don't want me to just stare at the green screen and like let me even though it's an ensemble want to let me play the lead character and like you remember I was mouse right? Do Do you remember? Do you remember Devil in a Blue Dress? Do you remember that I stole the fucking show from Denzel? Put me in your movie. All of the beautiful (laughs) twists on noir throughout. The best of which being the fact that it takes the MacGuffin. And it makes it actually something that's relevant and reveals it to you. And it completely is just like, oh, that's what this movie was about Mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Great stuff. And unlike all of these other ones, this is an HBO Max exclusive, baby. Yep. Just like Let Them All Talk, which means it's not disappearing after 30 days. It'll be there for a while. You can go throw this on whenever. Uh, This isn't my top five of the year at this point. Yep probably gonna stick around the top 10 i absolutely loved it great time great way to kick off the weekend you know what i saw the next night next day rather what's that uh, rock and i went to the theater and we saw zola which i won't talk to you about because i know you're dying to see i it. am dying to see <sighs> florida such a magical place no that's all i, I have heard varying reactions uh i personally loved it it's also one of my <laughs> top five Favorites of the year so far. Uh, great time. Laughed a lot. Uh, was very uncomfortable while laughing a lot, which yeah. is I like a place that me and my girl we enjoy, you know, cringe comedy. We enjoy the likes of Tim and Eric and Eric Andre, etc. Yeah. Not that that's like what you should be expecting from this, but there are moments of of great tension that are also peppered with like hysterically funny moments like laugh out loud moments like we feel awkward because there's only like four or five other people in this theater and nobody else is laughing right now but like yeah do they not get that this is like brilliant like multi-layered satire and, and it's and all like, from a series of fucking tweets on the internet come yes. on uh, we've we've so arrived as far as i'm concerned if when it comes to you, our culture if it's near you you should go check it out. That would be my number one pick. I think it's right up in now Columbia. To, I'll have to check it out. Uh, We're doing to go see in the theater. Uh, and then the same... So the evening after we saw Zola, back over to old Hulu for Summer of Soul. 
Oh, yeah, I gotta watch that. Or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised from Mr. Questlove. Uh, about the Harlem Cultural Festival in mm-hmm. 1969. Same summer as Woodstock. Admittedly, completely ignorant to this. Knew nothing about it. Never even heard about it before. Until oh, I saw the trailer for this like a couple months ago and it was announced. And I was like, oh, okay. And, of course... That's, I mean, that's part of what's great about the doc is it, and it, when it turns that corner into like, hey, can we also explore like why we don't like, why we don't tell these stories sometimes, why they're completely shut out of the narrative and like why it takes 50 years for this footage to like see the light of day. Can we talk about that for a minute? And that really brings home the emotionality of it. If, and that's on top of all of the like incredible performances that again you've never literally never been able to see mm-hmm. up until this point but you got stevie wonder you got bb king you got the fifth dimension dude uh the staple singers like so speaking, many incredible acts speaking of that did but, you did you oh, watch the 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 p-funk documentary no but i've heard amazing things i need to get to that bro it is that is on wild. Prime, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. yes, Summer Soul is available on Hulu. Uh, it's like neck and neck for the best music doc I've seen this year because the Sparks Brothers also came out. But uh, both incredible, and it, it's crazy that yeah, two of the best music docs in recent memory, and they came out within like a month and a half of each other, less than a month. Uh, okay, I got one more new okay. watch for me. Uh, what I was hoping would be a, a hidden gem, a classic I had not gotten to. Well, not a classic in anybody's eyes because I never hear it talked about, apparently. Um, I finally watched The Brinks Job, which I had to special order through Amazon, through uh, Universal's like archive thing, you know, where they like print you a disc. Yeah, they just make you one, yeah. Yes. Uh, this is, I've talked to you about it before, I don't know if you remember, but this is the Friedkin movie yeah. that he made after Sorcerer. Because I was like, I gotta see what he, where do you go after that? And it's a, it's about this Brinks truck heist back in the 40s, I believe. It starts in the 30s, but then lead character goes to prison for a stretch. I believe the, the main thrust of the narrative takes place in the 40s. Peter Falk is the lead. Oh, okay. Uh, Peter Boyle is in there. And a lot of that guys who you'd probably recognize from other stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's a... You know, it's a crime heist caper movie with a little bit more of an edge to it. Like, I, I, my perception of it going in was I was like, oh, is this, like, it's rated PG? Like, was he trying to, like, soften himself up a bit and everything? And it, not really at all. No, it's still very much a, a Friedkin joint. Um, it's a little more lighthearted, though, but all of the, like, the banter and the, like, when you need the comedy to hit, it all works, dude. Hmm. Great time. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, a total hidden gem. Like, hmm. great movie. I, I got the DVD downstairs. I will give that to you along with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the novel, yes. which I just finished yesterday. Yeah, okay. Got a little pile of stuff for you. I know. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Uh, that's the end of my list. But yeah, the Brinks job. Hmm. Can't watch it streaming anywhere, but if you want to drop $10... For a DVD through Amazon, uh, I think it's worth it. I'm going to watch it again at some point, probably after you give it back to me. Okay. It was a fun time. It's maybe not a two-by-two two retro review, but you got to like it. you got to have a fun time. I guarantee it. 
<laughs> Sorry. Pierre Falk, dude. Yeah. Kind of slept on him, to be honest. You know, I've, I've seen the I feel like handful, he had, I feel like he exists in a weird I watched space. Mikey and Nikki earlier this year, which we talked about. Yeah. Just, what, what a great guy, man. Yeah. Love that Pierre Falk. And Lee Marvin. All these guys were just like, you know, it's funny you mentioned Lee it, Marvin. It's weird that people talk about them all the time, and I guess it's because they're fucking great. Well, it's because they don't <laughs> exist anymore. Yeah. That's like you were talking, because, you know, I always have to talk about podcasts where, that aren't ours. But on another podcast that, you know, Mr. Tarantino was on, he did make the comment, like, there are no Lee Marvins walking around right now. There's no, no Charlie no. Bronsons walking around. There hasn't been anything for people to do that those guys did back in the day that they can bring to the table because you forget about that whenever you're watching their, them and you're like, oh yeah, this guy probably fucking killed people in a war, but he's also here, you know, yucking it up, right. you know, doing whatever, or like is, you know, being a badass or whatever. Right. You don't think about that shit. Okay. It's wild. I've got three rewatches. I'm going to hit you with very quick and then just you Go. can lay it out for me. So after no sudden move, uh-huh. Minnesota Bird Mood, dude. Yeah. Guess what's streaming on Prime right now? The Limey. It's just oh. sitting right there. Okay. Hadn't seen it since the Sycamore days. About 15 years. Fucking Do it for borderline you. masterpiece. Okay. What a great movie. <laughs> so good. Uh, when's the last time you gave that a spin? It's been over 15 years. Dude. Super quick rewatch if you want to. That movie is less than 90 minutes. Okay. It's like an hour 24, hour 27, somewhere in there. Okay. Terrence Stamp, killing it. The the thing I had no appreciation for when I watched it originally. Um, but just how it did not, I, I don't even think it was nominated, but how it did not win the Oscar for editing, I have no idea, dude. It's one of the most well-edited, like, it's an editor's showcase hmm. sort of movie. The way the story is told, it's just like you could take this same narrative and hand it to any other director and it would not feel like this. Right. The way that he decides to tell it to you. Hmm. Insane shit, though. Just like I'm going to cross cut like I'm going to show you a collage of the scene that I'm about to show you. But then within that scene, I'm also going to be cross cutting between two separate conversations between the same characters but it's going to totally make sense and flow. But all you, like, it, I don't know, dude. It's incredible. If you haven't watched The Limey recently and you have Amazon Prime, go for it. Okay. Independence Day, because it was Independence Day, and I... You were not going to go quietly into the night? Well, I said You weren't going to vanish without a fight? You're going to live on? I said, yeah, we're going to live on. I said in my head, well, I don't have time to do Southland Tales, the director's cut because it's a little bit longer. And then I, I throw on Independence Day, which in my head is like, dude, that's like a tight 150, right? Right. Two and a half hours. Uh, it's I a totally, Roland Emmerich joint. When is it? Yeah. I totally, I just was like, it was one of those, as I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, but then we got to do this and this. And like, we gotta spend really a lot doing of, a lot here. We got to spend a lot of time in Area 51. I like In my head, it's like, oh, it's just that one scene where they go down and it takes over Brent. Brent Spiner, yeah. Brad Spiner, Brent Spiner, Brent, 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 Brent Spiner, yeah. Mr. Data, yeah, yeah. In my head, it was just like, oh, it's that one scene, and then Jeff Goldblum's like, hey, shoot the can, and it's all good. 
But I was like, no, like we got to bring Smith's the president's gotta go. wife back in. Yeah, and she's going to have go. internal bleeding, and oh my There's god, no reason to kill her off. I don't understand that decision at all, other than I guess give him more investment for like, oh yeah, I'm really going to get in this plane and do this shit right now. Because I got nothing to like, lose. You could have just done it anyways, dude. It's the end of the world. No big deal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was a fun rewatch for me. Oh, um, I'm sure. It had been quite a while. I still remember we used to do that every every year with the VHS in Japan, dude. One of the main things I was thinking of while watching it... What? Just so weird that Jeff Goldblum had, like, two roles in very quick succession where there were action figures made of him. Yeah. Just the idea that there were Jeff Goldblum action figures that we owned from both the original Jurassic Park... The Lost also World. Also from The Lost World. A lot of stuff from The Lost World. Oh, yeah. We went in hard on the, the merchandise on that. Not as hard as we did for Waterworld. No. Oh, we, we bought it Dude, big if, on if the Waterworld front. We had the, the full-on Can boat. you imagine if we had not opened any of that? It might not be worth a lot, but it'd be worth something now. Oh, it? Somebody would buy that for thousands of dollars. I'm sure. If we had it unopened. Oh, yeah. For sure. Waterworld. I got lost. Where were we? Jeff Goldblum. Just, yeah, just so weird to me that he had two movies. Like, because we had the Independence Day action figures. Yes. We had the Lost World stuff. Yeah. And we were just playing with little, little Jeff Goldblum. It's yeah. just so weird to think about. Man. Yeah. I don't know. He's a he's an actual person. He is. <laughs> but of all the people to be made into an action figure, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, Will Smith you get. Right. But, like... Yeah, Jeff Goldblum, you're like, they like okay. kind. He kind of licensed it for Men in Black. I had some of those figures, too. Yeah, I remember. Tommy that. Lee Jones was definitely like, fuck you. You <laughs> can, like, you can amalgamate me, but yeah. I'm not licensing my face for a, for a doll. I will not sanction this buffoonery. Which I think is probably a good move, because I feel like if he does that and has tons of money, maybe he just, like, stops making movies. Okay. Who okay. knows? My last one? Mm-hmm. So I finish Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. The novelization. I don't like want to immediately dive into rewatching the movie. Uh-huh. I'm also still in kind of a crime mood from the limey. So you go watch Jackie Brown? No. Oh. I could have. I could have. But I also I I I knew Brad Pitt was one one of the key elements that I needed. Oh, killing him softly. A one hundred percent. It's one of the best out. movies ever made. I'm sorry, I don't. I, we don't talk about that money. That movie. Sorry, money. We don't talk about that movie enough. That is probably one of my favorite movies from the last like twenty I was, years. I was going to say, hundred percent agree with you. Rewatching it. I mean, we loved it in the theater. Other than I, like, as I was watching it this time, I was flashing back to watching it in the theater with mom. And just like the dialogue that comes out of Ben Mendelsohn's mouth. Yes, I where I'm just like. Oh, oh, just like I am internally like cringing and just like, you know, sweating on the inside of my body where I'm just like, why is this happening right now? Please literally talk about anything else, guys. Like this is seriously. Yeah. And then. So, yeah, that was very uncomfortable. But I remember by the time we got to the end of that movie, just being completely knocked out, blown away, loved everything about it. And I've probably rewatched it two or three times since. But it had been a while. But I was, I was in a Brad Pitt mood, and I threw it on, man. And you're 100% correct, dude. Absolutely holds up. 
one of the best movies of its decade. One of the best Brad Pitt performances. Ever, yeah. There are so many moments in there where I was just like, that right there, where it's just so many subtle little performance things where it's just like, he is so dialed in. But there's a moment where Richard Jenkins is in one of the early car scenes where he asked him, like, could you take out um, Marky, Ray Liotta's character? And the way Brad Pitt answers is like, uh, yeah, yeah, I could. That's the, like, the tone of it. But he does it in the most badass way where he's like, he's kind of looking at Richard Jenkins like, are you fucking serious? Like. Are you seriously asking me? Like, yeah, of course I could fucking like kill Ray Liotta's character in this movie, but he doesn't. Oh god, it's brilliant! Such a great little tiny moment, and the the one of the best last scenes, Ever. last speeches. So much so that I ran it back three times. This guy wants to tell after, me I'm living in a community. It cuts to credits. Um, Don't make money, me laugh. You know, starts playing. America, it's not a country. America's a business. Fucking pay me. Yeah, dude. I, dude, I, 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 I rewound it three times. Dude, it, I'm telling so you. So brilliant. Who, and who made, who, who directed that? Andrew Dominic. What else has he done? The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Okay. Um, I knew there was something else, but I couldn't put my finger on it. But yeah. Like, yeah. Chopper with uh, Eric Bana. That was the movie that oh, Eric Bana. Oh, speaking of guy. Eric Bana, can and we then, get to one of my rewatches oh, real the, quick? Oh, we can in just a second. Okay, go ahead. Oh, you wanted to? I was just gonna say, that's it, except for a documentary about Nick Cave, and uh, coming this year, I believe, before the year is out, Blonde, his movie about Marilyn Monroe, oh. which has a very stacked cast, hmm. and I'm very excited about. Hmm. Yeah, cool. he uh, has an unbroken track record so far because Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford is also. A complete masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, although, that's the other thing I love about Killing Him Softly. He's coming off a nearly three-hour movie, and he makes, like, a cut-to-the-bone trim, like, nothing, hour and 30 Nothing minute. needs to be added or taken away. The it only, exists perfectly. The only thing that's indulgent in there is Gandolfini, which is, like... And you forget, because that's, that's his last, right? Second to last, I believe. I think the enough said. I think the one with Julia Louis Dreyfus. He didn't came finish out completely, right? Or do he finished all that completely? Yeah, I don't think he had one that he was okay. like caught in the middle of that yeah. I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah. Eric Bana. Speaking of Eric Bana, and literally everyone else, I did it to myself. I have to do it every couple of years. I rewatch Black Hawk Down. Oh yeah, was that your? Did we just have Memorial Day? Essentially, yeah, it was my Memorial Day thing. I've done that one before on yeah. Memorial Day. And I keep f- like finding new people in it every time. Like, wait, 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 wait. It's this this cat was in it? it was Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy was in this? I mean, of course, I knew Smalls from, you know, uh, uh, whatchamacallit's in there. Uh, Sandlot. But there's a couple other ones I've found recently that I'm like, no way. Wait, him? No. But, yeah. Another one just like... Tom Sizemore? I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, it's one of the best. Should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor from that movie, arguably. Either him or William Fickner, one of the two. I don't even think they gave him supporting for Saving Private Ryan, dude. He had two two bites at the apple where they should have given it to him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's wild. One of the th- great right-hand mans in war movie history. Yes. Where you're just like... 100%. Yeah. 
Especially when he gets shot in the neck and he's just like, ah, mm, still get me, yes. get me back in here. It's like, it missed you it, any closer been your jugular. And he's just like, get me back in this. Don't fucking, don't tell me this shit. I'm, I got to get back out there. You know, it's just fucking, fucking wild. Um, so that was a rewatch. Uh, new, I watched the first Fear Street movie that came out. The second one's out now. Okay. On Netflix. How was it? I mean, I wasn't, ex- <laughs> listen, I wasn't expecting anything, but if you're trying to give me like, you know, scary in July, like or whatever, I kind of dig it. It's a little bit spooky of, summer. It's a weird throwback. It does have a weird like 90s. It's set in the 90s. It has a, a weird night, like late 90s feel to it. I heard Scream vibes, like very, very, very much so. Homage like, to Scream, which but is also, interesting in and of itself, making an homage to an homage to an but, homage. But it's making its own tale. But it's also like it's a supernatural ghost thing okay. as well. And the second one is supposed to like include a character we see in this one, the the creepy lakeside killer dude. But it's 70s. It takes me back to the seventies to the event that I've heard reference. 1600s for the third one. Right. Yeah. No. Like and that. I was like, this is, this is kind of fun. I was mad that they all three weren't available yet. And well, had I known they're weak or something. Right. And if I'd have known that, I just wouldn't have bothered with, and I'd wait to watch all three back to back. But like it was, I enjoyed it. Cool. Some of the, well, I haven't seen anybody else in it. That was in other things. People were like adjacent to stars. Like, I feel like Netflix has this weird thing where they're like, we're not going to get this person, but we'll get like a weird adjacent person that's like just as good in terms of like the quality of acting. You don't feel like they're hamming it. Okay. You don't feel like they don't belong, but they're not that kid or they're not that guy. Like the guy that's supposed to be the sheriff. It's like he's not like uh, he's got like a weird like Hopper Deputy Dewey vibe. He's definitely not those two people, but he's just as good in the role. And like I don't really think I can pick anybody else to like kind of do that having seen it. Okay. It's just weird. Um, and of course, the second one's going to have the little redhead from Stranger Things. She's, I think, she's going to play a prominent oh, okay. figure. Um, well, yeah, I may check those out soon, or I may save them for October. Right. Okay. Because I think one of my main goals this year is going to be lots of new stuff. Yeah, definitely. Because um, you can only rewatch the classics so many times movies. before you're like, oh god. And again, we're going to have that conversation on the state of horror movies. Um, the only other new big rewatch I have... Oh, no. There's a new one for me. is Welcome to the Punch with um, McAvoy cool. and our girl, Andrea Riceboro. And, you know, I remember hearing about it when it came out. I didn't really get... I don't know timeline in terms of British politics about, like, police carrying guns. That's the whole backstory gangster thing. Mm-hmm. Um what is his name? He's bald-headed. Mark Strong. Strong, yes. He's the maybe the bad guy, maybe not the bad guy. The guy who played the governor was in there, too. Lots of... You know, oh, actually, our boy, uh, Chairman Fred, he was in it. One of the first things I ever Daniel remember seeing. Clue. Yes. Didn't rec- didn't ever hear anything about him being in it, so it was kind of nice to see him and Andrew Riceboro in one thing together it's like oh hey look at this um they're like blowing up now and i don't really know what michael was doing but all right you know maybe he's coming gone who knows um i'm sure he's just fine oh yeah i'm, I'm yeah he's fine and the only other big one i did watch was the tomorrow war have not gotten to it yet yeah we'll have to save that discussion but what did you think i appreciate your boy dude it is my boy I, your appre- boys. I appreciate that I was not able to see where it was going, but yet also 
like I couldn't call it a hundred percent, but could definitely like there was nothing misleading. It was all pretty much right there. There's no, it, I didn't feel like it was trying to be anything more than it was. Like it, 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 it wasn't trying to rewrite better or worse than without remorse. Oh, way better than without remorse. <laughs> so much so you could barely remember the title. That's all I need to know. That's enough of an endorsement for the latest Amazon Prime movie. Yeah. Okay. Shall we? Shall we start our engines? Yeah. Shall we shift into... Don't say shift into turbo. First gear? Shall we hit the NOS? Still a buster. Oh. You never Should had I me. brought a Corona? Yeah, you should. Yeah, that, what blasphemy you got there? Come on, man. You know the rules. You can have any brew you want as long as it's a. Corona. I get so confused with whether they have the endorsement current or not because I benched all of these movies recently, <laughs> uh, and I know it disappeared there for a little bit. Okay. Again, we're keeping it loosey goosey. We're already an hour into this episode. Just a heads up to you, by the way. And, and I you do have, have to work at home. We know. But there are now ten films, right, in the Fast franchise. And we've discussed a bit how this, oddly, this started as my franchise. Yes. And somehow around three and four became your franchise. Right. And uh, we have yet to really... We've, uh, you might say, we've gone down separate paths separate roads maybe we've parted ways a la furious seven yeah you might say that you could you could say that yeah but we're about to find out because we're gonna rank the fast franchise i'm ready we're starting at number 10 to be clear we did include hobbs and shaw we did not include Los bandoleros okay right you want to go first you want me to go first i mean it was my franchise, right? Yeah. <laughs> my number ten. Uh, but again, the rules. We're just gonna we're gonna lay out our case, our opening argument, if you will. But we're not gonna go in depth on these until we've both said them. So let's see what happens. Okay. My number ten is fast. Ampersand. Furious. Hmm. The fourth film in the franchise. Uh, I mentioned it before, but my basic take, I was super excited. This one got me back to the theater. They were like, we got everybody back. Don't you want to see this? I thought it was a huge letdown. Admittedly, only saw it the one time. Have never revisited. Okay. Okay. Your number 10. My, honestly, my, my number 10 is, is, is going to be Fast 9. Okay. Well, we can table it. We can keep going. No, we can talk about it because it's my number nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I teetered with this or fate. Uh, which one was going to gonna pull ahead of the other one mm-hmm. at the finish line? And I'll be honest with you. Coming out of the theater, not jazzed on it at all. Listen to the John Gabris' excellent podcast, High and Mighty. He had Griffin Newman from, uh, oh my God, blank check. Excuse me. I was drawing a blank there for a second. Literally. Yeah. 
hit Griffin Newman on. It's a tradition. They've talked about a bunch of the Fast movies. And their conversation, which I want you to listen to, maybe on your ride home, yeah, had me to the point where I was like, shit, dude, is 9 like the best in the franchise? Like, what? I, am I... Am I completely upside down on this? Because they pointed out so many things that I was like, oh, that is kind of cool. Maybe I, do I need to go watch this again? Like, because I just not, because we didn't see it in a big theater setting with a bunch of people. Yeah, neither did we I. We had like a very small crowd. It was yeah. the last showing in the night. Yeah, when I saw um, it, I was amazed that like when I read the numbers, I was like, How? How did this happen? Granted, I did see it at twelve o'clock on a Sunday in Sumter, mm-hmm. so that 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 can play a key into because most churches don't get out till one, right. which makes sense. But at the same time, I just i I don't mind I don't mind that you where the franchise got to and like the caricature quote so to speak, of like what these people are. Mm-hmm. But I have a problem when you are like winking at me. Like you did not like the self-aware meta stuff. No, I, I not 100% not at all. I hated, I hated that scene in the theater. Yes. I absolutely like, I literally Brennan and I were like turning to each other. Like, dude, is this too much? And I started warning with myself. Cause I'm like, okay, is this like a jump the shark moment? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm well, if, it, but here's, if that ain't... But here's the thing, though. I want to sit there and be like, oh, this is over the line. They're making it too meta. If these movies have all basically, dude, I mean, from five forward, they start to exist in this, like... Alternate Elevated, universe. wild space where it's like, they are self-aware. I think they are. Like, yeah. And I... You know, I don't know, man. Let me... Here's what did work for me in nine. I love all the flashbacks. Oh yeah, no. I thought that really worked. Give me an entire movie of that. Like I thought it wasn't going to, and then I was like, this really this was the strongest part of the movie. Indeed. Um the magnet stuff was fun, but honestly, dude. It's just another gimmick. Like Justin Lin coming back into the franchise though, I was so ready for like, okay, dude, like Here's your chance to outdo five because I don't think that like six outdoes five on a set piece level. But I was like, here's your fucking chance, dude. You could like if you can top the ending of five, we really like you could really knock this out of the park. You could change my whole perception of it. Right. And it's a it's a fun set piece, but nothing in this really ever rose above the level of like, okay, that was wild. It was just. I, and maybe I, again watching them all in quick succession like binging through five through eight like in the span of like three days and then going to see nine that evening mm-hmm. maybe it was just too much maybe it was just overload but no. i just i was not enthralled by any of the actions that pieces the way i was by some of the stuff that's been in just like a few movies back right that's what i'm that's what i'm getting at because i will give you that like in six there's a pretty neat one that's almost 100 that's really close to practical as practical as they could get it and I just felt like this was just green green screen central. I mean, I think we've... Six has a nighttime one towards the open. We'll get to it. Yeah. Never mind. I should save them for as we're going through the movie. Yeah. Specifically talking about but nine. Nine, why, nine though. We, everybody knows when you take your fucking franchise to space, it has jumped the shark a thousand times. But people have been talking about them going to space for years now. Right. 
Okay, that I did not think was too far at all. And that I wanted to bring up as a highlight, dude. I I have warred with myself over how I feel about Tyrese in these movies. Okay? Just yeah. in general. The mm-hmm. Roman persona as it exists in the back half, etc. But yeah. I genuinely thought when they drove that fucking Pontiac Fiero <laughs> into the upper atmosphere... And then break break through. The look of genuine wonder and awe on his face. Like they know in that moment to like put it on Tyrese, man. Like Luda's Luda's doing fine. Luda's fucking solid. I enjoy him in all of these movies. But it's like they know to put it on Tyrese. Right. And he, you may have found it cheesy, dude. Which I again would surprise me because I feel like we maybe we have different buttons that get pushed by cheese factor. I found that to be like a genuine moment of like awe and wonder that I thought he played perfectly mm-hmm. and genuinely felt like a moment for me where I was like, dude, fucking like eight, nine movies ago, they were like stealing fucking VHS DVD combo, combos, DVD combo players. Yeah. Like now, like they're in space and like, they kind of made me believe that they got here. Like, this is kind of a moment. Yeah. Cool. And then that was about the extent of it, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, but it did play for me in the moment. Like, I was like, that, and I feel like a packed house. Like, people would have been losing their minds mm-hmm. over it. But, uh, and I enjoyed that it was the two of them, specifically. That it wasn't, like, Dom and, like, the whole team is up there and everything. Like, it was a little more believable somehow. Yeah. That they, like, set it up. I love bringing back in the Tokyo Drift guys. That was always going to want more Lucas I, I've Black. Said, I've said and, it a couple times. I'm going to say it this: I don't need the next one to be balls to the wall. You know what I want to see? What me and Perk said walking out of there? Barbecue? Why can't we? Why can't we sit at the barbecue? Okay, you just gave me a movie where there was an actress who was not on set with anyone else. She's completely digitized into a movie a la Army of the Dead. You're telling me that with it, with his family's permission, you can't do that for Paul Walker for two seconds at a table. You can't. No, 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 sir. You can't. No. But I knew they had talked about it because they, they were... talked about it and doing composites with his brother like yes. they did for one of the other movies that we'll get to in a little bit, Seven. okay? Yeah. But hold on. I thought... That was fucking class, dude. It was no no, ending, no, 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 no. I'm saying it is, but I want to know. I, I will be, I will be fucking real with you, dude. If I had been watching it in the privacy of my own home, I would have dropped here, yeah, in all likelihood. Or I would have stood up and shouted, dude. When they showed him tearing through the neighborhood or whatever, yeah, and I was like, that's where they're gonna leave it. Fuck, I was like, dude, no, that is the that only got redeeming. me so jazzed yes. for like, and again. You spend so much of the movie where it's like, okay, dude, I know Cena is eventually not, like, he's not going to be the bad guy. Exactly. The bad guy's going to be the German guy and... Charlize Theron again. Charlize. Yeah. So let's just, like, get to that. And they, thankfully, they do it fairly, you know, before you think they're going to. They don't make you wait till the very end of the movie, but... It's like, this one definitely felt like table setting, where I'm like, okay, I'm excited for the next one, where Cena is a part of the team and can actually use his 
charisma and comedic timing instead of playing like a friggin' stone golem or something. Like, right. He just, I don't know, man. His introduction was a little wonky for me. But yeah, there was parts I really liked. I also felt like the bringing back Han, while great and glad to have him back, they didn't really do much with at all. Once nope. he was back in the picture, it's like, uh, yeah, okay, we got him back, but he's still just kind of, kind of be an element. To say. I felt like he didn't get a moment. His moment, after he, he got, was no, no, back. He got a moment, home. and his moment was at the barbecue when they were like, "I can't believe it." I wouldn't have been like, "Oh no, he's really... still alive." Yeah. I would have been like, "Oh hey guys, by the way, here's your buddy," and have their genuine reaction of like, "Oh shit!" Like we all thought you were dead. Like I wanted, I didn't want them to already know. That he was alive. I wanted them to find. I wanted to see them right. find out on camera because that's what I was getting at. The barbecue scene to the end, note perfect. Loved every minute of it. Okay, the house is being rebuilt. It's what it is. And then all the flashbacks. Note perfect. I get it. They're superheroes. They got. They're extremely lucky. They always manage to work. We don't ever let them get into cars. I don't care. Give me the real like what they give me the family stuff. Give me all of them kicking back on a weekend, watching a fucking football game and grilling out and just bullshitting around. I would watch that over and over again with what you've established. I know you can't do that with Paul Walker. I get it. I'm not asking you to. But I'm telling you, the the if the, if the crux of this is about family, give me that outside of this huge, bombastic, like, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do that. Because I've seen that a million times, and I like it. And honestly... Had Paul Walker not passed when he did, I probably would have been way, and he somehow was still in this franchise. I probably wouldn't be saying any of this. I feel like after he passes, you got at least one where I'll be on board. But if by the second one after he's gone, you weren't doing something to like bring me back into it, because for me, it was him, you know? I'm going to start to want to check out. And I'm not saying that they didn't try here. I'm just saying here's okay. it, it here's, just doesn't feel like... Here's one little tidbit before we move off of 9, which I think this is the longest we'll talk about any of these probably. Probably. Uh, and this is totally coming from that podcast I want you to listen to, the High and Mighty episode. There is a case to be made. And like the whether it pays off or not, we'll have to wait and see. But they made a very interesting case that casting Cena and specifically making him the long-lost brother, even though, the, of course, that's a narrative thing where he's just like, really? Okay, the guy who's all about family, never fucking mentioned him before, blah, blah, blah. Well, he never mentioned a family in another one either. Or he didn't know he had a child in one of the other ones, so yeah, it's sure. fine. But they were like, he kind of, in theory, we'll see how it is in practice, Fills the role of both a brother to Dom, so you get back to that central, like, male relationship that started Mm -hmm. the whole franchise. You try and recapture some of that energy that he had with Paul Walker and with the, the Brian character. But in also making him, like, a super adept, like beefy dude giant guy wrestler, Mm -hmm. we also get a little bit of the rock energy back into the franchise which obviously will not happen again because they refuse to work together so their thought was like oh Cena's like a two in one 
this is like this makes sense casting wise for like why they they're trying to fill two holes with one bird. I don't think that metaphor made any sense, but uh, and I was like, yeah, that could potentially play out because I like Cena in movies, and I think he does have really good comedic timing. And if they can get more of a brotherly like camaraderie going between him and Vin, which they kind of start to show you shades of at the end of the movie. If that's their dynamic, that could get back to a little more of that. Because let me tell you, in uh, my number... What's your number nine? My number yeah. nine would be um, Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Well, I was going to say when we get to my next one, my number eight, which is The Fate of the Furious. Which would be also my number eight. Okay. Uh, we will talk... Well, then let's talk about it right now. Yeah. We can talk about how bringing in Scott Eastwood into that movie is one of the worst decisions ever made in this entire franchise. A thousand percent. Fuck everything about that character. Yes. It's not the time nor the place. Nope. Get him out of there. Yep. Horrible decision. Just F. And they wisely got the fuck rid of him right. by the time F9 starts. And I love that it's just like he's gone. Other huge problem with F9 before we totally move off of it. Not nearly enough Kurt Russell, dude. Yeah, no, no Kurt Russell. You're just going to reference Mr. Nobody for like the first hour of this movie. And you're not going to show me, you're going to show me like two seconds of Kurt Russell on a screen somewhere. We don't even know this what the hell. criminal. We, have, we don't even know what happened to him. We is still he alive? Don't. Is he alive or dead? Who knows? We're still, I think most of the plot of this movie was supposed to be them like trying to find out what happened to him and. I, I don't really know what happened to him. No, they don't. I mean, you would think that the guy who grabs him... It was him, also... The plot was basically the exact same plot as the last two movies. Mm-hmm. They got a thing. If it falls into the wrong hands, God forbid, drive those cars. Help to keep that from happening. Right. Okay. My number... Okay. One so, thing yeah, I we're will talking, say, a, a note I did appreciate. Okay, we're still talking about nine. Dame Helen Mirren. I mean, when when do you when, not like? When that? are you ever disappointed for that to happen? Exactly. I, I, I see your Dame Helen Mirren, and and I dare I say I will raise you, a Michael Ruka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he I felt like was severely underused as oh, well. Oh, agreed, dude. I was like, get a scene with him and Cena. Let me see a little bit of him like taking in the outcast and raising him. Yeah, or another flashback scene with the kid. Well, and that's the thing I do think I do appreciate because it literally is like, oh yeah, this guy killed my dad and I saw him a week later and I beat him within an inch of his life. He's a janitor to school, has to take the bus, can't really talk anymore. That's a throwaway line for like what happened to Dom. And and there's the central dramatic arc of the ninth movie. Right. Like as soon as they open and they're like there, I'm like, oh, we're about to see his dad get blown the fuck up. Yeah. Like he's gonna. I was like, I didn't know he's gonna blow up, and I was like, oh, he's gonna crash and die. Like this is how. Like I turned to Becky, it's like, oh, this is happening, you know. And again, I just there's so many different parts where like I look over at Perk and he looks at me, and we're both just like, what are we doing here? And and not the sense of like, why are we doing this? Like everybody should be here. Like we're really missing out of like. What is this? What is this well, franchise? Also the, also, the weird reveal of like they show you that flashback, they play it out, and you get the emotionality of like Don losing his father and everything, and it reconnects you to that moment. And then they cut back to it again a little bit later to like pan over and reveal, hey, here's his brother. I'm like, if we're doing the opening scene, like, why not establish from the get go, like, hey, here's his brother? 
Well, you got brother wait. Jacob here. We've never talked about. Right. I wonder why. And then like start that from the get go. Why do we have to go back to it like three or four times to get all the details? Right. Uh, anyways. But yeah, no, a lot of moments where Brennan and I just kind of like silently looked at each other as well. And we're just like, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, we're, we're talking about Fate of the Furious. I didn't. Now, ha- yes, now we are. Yeah, we are now. I didn't have that much of their in because again, I'm like, okay, this is the first one where there's no Brian whatsoever. And we've also. But they still got The Rock. Yes. And they still got Statham. Right. And, you know, this is like, you know, I can, I want to see where this goes. This was like my goodwill one. And even though I knew, you know, because before this came out, I believe it all kind of had been aired out that they were, it all kind of aired out what was what about people, you know, taking forever and this being an issue. So knowing, I knew all that going in, but I also knew that like, you know, they had sort of kind of like patched things up. It was what it was. There was no like, oh, hey, people really like, the rock and and statham together like maybe we should do a standalone with just them like people really seem to dig these two random characters that we got and i'm not putting i didn't put hobbs and shaw where it was because it's not good and i don't like it it's just if we're talking fast fast and furious it's they present and that's perfectly fine i don't think it's bad (laughs) if you just look at that movie on its own and don't look at anything where it came from it's perfectly fine you kind of almost wish again that it was just like a separate movie yeah just make it just call it Hobbs and Shaw that's it you don't have to say that they present it or that it's a thing but for the purpose of this franchise we'll say yeah you know hey you know good good move I guess because I'm I'm, okay made made money as far as I'm concerned I mean Hobbs and Shaw is my number seven so we're kind of all in the same territory Fate of the Furious though um I think F. Gary Gray is one of the weaker directors in the franchise I can agree. But I still think he pulls off some decent set pieces. Mm-hmm. I like Charlize in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the character, like, I don't know, man. Goes some wild places. I, I love Tormund Giants Bane <laughs> in oh, here yes. as well. But I think the thing I love about it the most and that slightly elevates it and got it to my eight slot, it has the best Vin Diesel line delivery, like, of the entire franchise, dude. What? When he's just, like, when she introduces the whole situation of like we have your son your illegitimate son who you didn't know about we also have her mom we're keeping him behind the glass um if you do anything to me or you try and do anything to the plane there's these guys who will come in here and shoot your fucking kid period Mm -hmm. and he just in utter frustration is like well if i have had someone here with me i could maybe do something about it but since I'm alone, <laughs> yeah. I got a choice. He like takes it to such a fucking level where you're just like, dude, you've never even attempted a line delivery like this. And you know exactly what it is, which is just like, I got, I got Charlize on the set. I got to impress her. Yeah. I got to bring my A game. And him trying to do his version of his A game, given the dramatic stakes of this movie, which Granted, is like for Dom, that's as dark as shit has ever gotten. Where it's like, oh shit, I got a kid I didn't know about. Like, I don't know why he's all of a sudden Mark Wahlberg, but yeah, um, but yeah, I have a kid I didn't know about. You fucking with the kill. cop that we forgot about from yeah, three movies you kill ago. Elena in front of me, even though it's like 
we were together, but then she was totally cool with me just being with Letty, so it's whatever. But he has that moment, and then a little bit later, where Charlie, after he, uh, after Charlie's orders Tormund to kill her, um, and Charlie tells him, like, that was your fault. He's like, that's my fault! <laughs> like, it's so, it's so funny, dude. So, oh, dude. I was getting a real kick out of that. Uh, all the stuff with Statham and the Rock in prison is great. Statham on the plane with the baby. I mean, that's an all-timer scene for the franchise. Oh, yeah, of course. So it's like there are, again, there are bits in here that I enjoy. The whole sub-sequence towards the end, man, I don't know. It's a little much. And I do love the remote control car sequence, but... uh I almost think that Justin Lin just straight up outdoes it with the magnets. Yeah. In nine. Um, not my favorite set pieces in either, for sure. So, um, yeah. So that's where I'm at on Fate. It was both our number eights. And again, the biggest crime of that one, though, is fucking Scott Eastwood, dude. Yes. Get him out of the... Like, you also would save, like, 15 minutes on that runtime. We don't need him. No. Do not need him. Not welcome. Keep him out of the... Keep him out. Didn't like it. Not one bit. Hobbs and Shaw, my number seven. Okay. Your number seven as well? No, no, it was my number nine. Oh, that's right. We're finally talking about it. So you kind of stated your reasons. You don't dislike it. It's just it's not really a fast movie. But you still thought that F9 was inferior because you had that at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my main thoughts... And we may, we probably talked about it around the time it came out. I think the first like hour and a half of this movie is very, very good and really strong. The introduction to both of them, the mm-hmm. like split screen, all of that stuff. You get them in a room, you get them bantering, you get them on a journey together. That it all plays, it all works for me. You got the crazy like office building set piece running down the side of the skyscraper them fighting the guys to get through on the opposite side, like all of that stuff. Super fun, dick measuring contest sort of stuff between the two of them. Um, and it totally plays. It works. And then I feel like the movie kind of reaches its logical end point at the kind of like Chernobyl style place. Right. Where they're rolling around with trying to take out Idris Elba's character. And I really felt like it should have ended there. And then it has the whole Samoan arc, which feels like another movie, which feels like it should have been the sequel. Right. Tacked onto the end of it, and it starts reaching such ridiculous levels of incredulity where it's just like, The Rock, I get it, dude. Like, you you are a beefcake. You are a brick shit house. You're strong. You're but in a sarong. I, I, I got it. And I know these movies bend the laws of physics, but if you tried to hold a helicopter by a chain while you were bracing yourself on a truck that was moving you would not be able to do it you would get torn in half or at the very least your arm would get pulled out of its socket and or ripped off of your body right it just it's not happening to it took it to such ridiculous brendan and i still discuss this because we saw it in theaters he has literally brought up the clip on his phone to be like, dude, remember how fucking stupid this was? (laughs) Just absolutely ridiculous. And maybe as the closing set piece of Hobbs and Shaw 2, maybe I'm there with you. Yeah. 
But I really, this was another one, and I just, I don't understand why every fucking blockbuster has to be two hours and 20 minutes now. But if you would have built this to the logical closure point of the Chernobyl set piece, we're at like an hour 45, hour 50. Right. And you could even leave it open-ended. They don't get their man. Idris Elba gets away. Okay? Mm-hmm. Tune in for part two. Come in like two years from now. And I think it would have worked better. As it stands, I am totally burnt out by the time we get to the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. I am just like, I don't care about seeing any more chase sequences. And the, the biggest crime, the back half of the movie, totally drops all of the banter. Between yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. The mm-hmm. whole fucking reason we came to the movie in the first place. Yep. It's all great. It's all there in the first hour and 30 minutes. And then it just goes out the window. Because we got to do some like pseudo half-assed love story with Hobbs's, or excuse me, Shaw's sister and Hobbs. Which doesn't even work because Hobbs is like the most asexual guy ever. There's the whole Ryan Reynolds contingent, which it's like... You almost forget that he's in there, man. I You kind of forget Idris Elba's in there for a little bit, too. Yeah. Until he just kind of pops back up, you know? And yeah. I, it was just... It was too much. Yeah. It was too much out of the gate. I enjoyed it in theory, but I felt like they just... They really, truly tried to do too much in one movie. They should have just paced themselves. It's an, and that's but your, I'm sure two will feel like, you know, three or four movies shoved together again. So. And that's your number seven. Hobbs and Shaw is my number seven. That's okay. correct. So we are almost into the top five. At number six, what do you got? My number six. Have you said your seven? No, be my number seven. Yes, your number seven. My number seven, um, just in where I would rank it overall, too fast, too furious. It's my number six. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, at the time... I think I missed it in the theater, but I remember being really excited and buying the DVD almost instantly. Yeah. Uh, which I think is basically how I discovered the first one, too. I, like, rented it the weekend it came out because I didn't see it in the theater either. I don't think. You rented that in the Skulls at the same time. Probably. Or you bought them at the same time. I was time. buying a lot of Paul Walker stock. Yeah. He was kind of my guy for a minute. Yeah. Okay. So I was totally still down for two, even though Vin had kind of become the the main attraction and i was like now why and at the time i was disappointed i really did not not care for it Mm -hmm. i I watched it a couple times i tried to make myself like it but i kind of soured on it yeah because it was a blind buy essentially i remember i just like straight up i bought it the day it came out i went home and i was like fuck yeah too fast too furious and then yeah but when you go back to it now it looks a lot more like four through nine, mm-hmm. then it does look like the evil, like foreign twin of the first movie at the time, you know? Right. So, yeah, in retrospect, it plays a lot better. And even though Tyrese is like very different performance wise and Roman's kind of a different character, like I like Eva Mendez in it. I think she's solid. Cole Hauser's a decent enough villain, not the best, not the yeah. worst. And, uh, you got Remar in there? Yeah. Who's the other? Mark Boone. Oh yeah, Mark Boone Jr. And again, it's it's flashy, it's over the top, and it's more the style that we'll eventually build build to. It's, it's just like John Singleton was like fucking ahead of his time. Yeah, dude. again, it's, just another notch to be like this guy knew what he was doing. Because the thing with that is that like by the time, I kind of wish he had come in 
Kind of wish he had somehow come in in the like the four through seven range. Yeah. Or maybe we have another Phantom movie, like a whole movie entirely. Not that like he directs the script for any of those, because quite like the directors of five through seven. Uh, but yeah. Okay. But no, I say by the so, time the second yes. one comes out, with it being what it is, it's already. What the first one was, was the first one. And people who were already into things, you could tell a true car guy because, like, a true car guy was not necessarily concerned with, like, what it looked like, did it have a PlayStation in it, how flashy it was. It was, like, how fast is it? Because there was, like, right. guys guys that I knew that were doing stuff that people were doing in that movie. Like, they were doing that years before it ever happened. Like, it was just weird thing of, like, somehow there was a ground swell when the first one happened and they, like kind of dove into this culture and i've heard jordana brewster talk about it it's like it's like you know this little la movie we made like it was just a movie we made in la about like what was going on in la at the time and by the time you get to the second one the culture and like everything about cars and like what's going on with them at the time it's at its fever pitch hot import nights is everywhere you got need for speed underground you got it all it's hit this zeitgeist moment so i like the idea that he you got Pimp My Ride right, right around the same it's, that's time. In full swing. I mean, that's all of right. like Tej's garage shit is yeah, 100% exactly. just that vibe. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate Singleton being like, I'm going to, I'm aware that this is a thing everywhere, but it's not going to be like a huge thing to my movie. Because, yes, I'm going to have it there, but I'm also going to, it's going to be, there is going to be this central story that it's like. It's also just kind of like a decent Miami Vice episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It feels like you could literally make or it a, a Miami. decent two-parter, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, you could eat Carter Verone could have been a villain in any one of those old but episodes. But yeah, of Miami it, has, Vice. it has retroactively risen. Because definitely if you asked me, like, if you asked me around the time that like five came out. I would have told you that two was probably the worst in the franchise. Right. Like I would have put it below ampersand, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that was my number six was my, your number seven. Right. So let's get your number six. My number six would be ampersand. Okay. I already kind of stated my reasons redeeming value. It is getting the band back together. Yes. It is also setting the table for, like, where the Letty stuff is eventually going to go. Yes. And Brian's turn to, like, yes, I have a commitment to my job, but I have a deeper commitment to this family now. Right. And these people. So I get that it's important for that. Mm-hmm. I love John Ortiz. Yeah. They just spend too much fucking time in those tunnels, man. Yeah. I just don't like those tunnels. All of the driving... From what I remember, I've only seen it the one time. I was just very bored by. And then the, there was a lot of CG, which I felt like, again, when Singleton was starting to do it in two, it felt like too much at the time. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And so I was hoping that four was going to be like dialing back and like more practical but, stuff. But, but, but before... then it had those moments and I was just like, I don't know, this is dipping back into that territory. And it's before it had established where they are now, where it's a crazy international action thriller. Right. It's not. It's still on that teetering line. Right. And I feel like, I mean, five is when it establishes this is what it fucking is. Yeah. 
but I just don't. I feel like it's all kind of half baked. So much so that I was like, I forgot that it was Justin Lin. It's yeah. very weird to me that Justin Lin has some of the high highs in the franchise and mm-hmm. some of the lows to yeah. me in the franchise as well. Like that, maybe not the most consistent, but he has made some of the best at the same right. time. It's weird. Uh, which is why I was really hoping for more from F9. I was yeah. hoping I was going to be like so much more jazzed on it coming off of 8. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. And maybe, I don't know, maybe a year down the road I'll feel differently. But yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts on Ampersand? Like stuff that you um, like about it? Obviously, you've got it a little higher. You've got it higher than a lot of other stuff that we've again, talked about. So it's the it's the payoff one. It's the one that like got my friends back into this group. Like we're all gonna go see a Fast and Furious movie. Like I remember the night I went to go see it for the third time. I took a date to it, and when I got back to my buddy's house, they were all freaking out because one of our friends had had his brakes changed and like forgot to pump brakes to like actually get the air back in like pads and everything want to put his car in a ditch so i Mm -hmm. rolled up onto this happening after having this date with this car i was like whoa this is wild but knowing what it was watching it with her she's like well wait letty but this and that i'm like just watch it'll be fine you'll you'll get it but it was just and it was one of those like reading into it where it was like oh so you know he's been planning this since the end of the third one because of the promise of that and then hearing about paul walker being like i want then to renegotiate my contracts because they paid him a lot and they greenlit like two movies for him. Like I got to get him to like do my deal again. You know, I'm here just cause you know, I'm, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. And it being the return to Vin Diesel of it all, having missed him from the, the second and third films or, and everybody from the third film, but that just that setting it up and getting to see, I mean, I, with where one ends getting to see, the actual aftermath of that and it's not because before then it just lives on in this thing of like well hey this guy just did this thing he bailed down to florida we don't know what happened well last thing we saw this dude just went driving on down to the coast but yeah. where the hell was he going we don't know we just know he turns lives out the dominican republic yeah the dr anyway um so seeing that kind of out he was hanging out with cardi b yes a lot yeah and the two guys that he randomly met in county jail somehow that was a nice touch. It's cousins. Cousins. Again, I said all the flashback stuff. Yeah, it's all nice gold. touch. Yeah. That's yeah. the one thing that I want to, we will talk about when we get to the end of this that I will I will highlight that I think is very well done. I haven't seen it in any other franchise. Well, I um, also, you gave your pitch for what you want to see. You want the barbecue movie. I have my pitch for what should be yeah. Fast 10. Okay. And I'll give it to you when we get to the end. Th- that'll work. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, that's pretty much all I have for that. Nothing really great with the car. I do the other thing I do appreciate is like him being able to go through the DMV as an FBI agent. Like I want this car, that car, and like him working on it, them racing and being like, you know, you never had me. There's still that race. Like they, you know, did I win? Did I not win the last one? Who did what? That's still a thing there. Yeah. It's still amplified. But it, again, I feel like if I went back to and again, I just decided to start my rewatch journey because I hadn't seen six through eight at the right. time, and so I started back with five. Right. And in theory, I should have actually done four. Right. Because you need the transition, but right because it takes that whole like, oh hey. So, yeah. Brian, I, I, I have it at the bottom of my list, but with yeah. the caveat that if I watched it, it would probably easily right. jump up over Hobbs and Shaw. Because it would, list, it, I would it, say. it finally shows them that it's like it doesn't matter. Like, 
this guy did do the right thing. He helped you bring down a cartel, and you right. are still going to put him in jail for stealing VCR DVD combos. Yeah, He's still going to go to jail for He's that. He's got to pay, dude. He's got to pay. And the fact that he hey, was willing to do that. Don't, don't do the crime <laughs> if you can't do the time. Yeah. Okay. But again, it gives you so, that, that, like, once he realizes he, Dom was, like, ready to accept his fate, and he realizes, well, the system fucked him over because look what all the good he did over the couple bad things he did, you know. Yeah. Really, if it wasn't, it, it, the trucker would have had to press charges for it to be really any, that last, the last time Brian and him interacted really would have been the on the trucker to go file charges to be like, I want this dude, you know, because... He could have been, oh, no harm, no foul. I fucked you guys up. I'm leaving. I don't care. But now he sees, like, hey, wait a minute. This isn't right. And that's, again, his turn. For it's his turn to, like, all right, I'm going to go on the other side of the law. Let's see what happens. So, yeah. So this is going to be your number. My number five. We're into the top five. Right. I believe. Yes. I got Fast and Furious 6 at the five slot. Okay. This is the Letty, the Letty one, right? I I I agree. The Letty one of the bunch. Um, I concur. I have I have six got, there. Oh, you have six there as well. Yes. Okay. You got Owen Shaw as the villain. Pretty pretty solid addition. A step in the right direction of, I of agree. branching out. And I started to say it earlier. This one has a very early nighttime chase scene where he's doing the like shooting out the things that disable. They like latch onto the car and they mm-hmm. disable, and like Brian does the cool shit where like everybody else's car has been taken out and everything. And you're like, oh fuck, dude, he's about to be screwed over too, and he just like clips a wall and like breaks it off and shit. But there's a lot of great practical driving in that one, right? And it's an early one where I was just like, dude, it's fucking cool. And that's when Shaw has the like the ultra car, the like I can drive straight at you, mm-hmm. um, and you'll just like fly over me or whatever. Yeah, because it's, it's like a it's got yeah. the scoop on it. Yeah. Um, so that very cool set piece, uh, that's also try and help me here. I six and seven, I get a I get a little bit conflated. Six, we have Joe Taslam from the raid and, uh, most recently Mortal Kombat. And, uh, we have the scene where like in the subway or Han and, and, (laughs) <laughs> is it Han and Roman? Yes. Try and fight him and get their asses kicked. Because right. like, uh, that Gal Gadot and um, what's her face try and fight Gina Carano. It's pretty much Michelle. No, it's not Gina Carano. It's uh, yes, no, it is Gina Carano. Yeah, because it's Ronda Rousey in seven. Seven. Yes. Yeah. See again, I and because I watched them all together, I'm like, wait, because Gina Carano that? just had Haywire that came out, so she yes. and she was kind of popping. Ronda Rousey was rising; she hadn't been beat yet when they cast her in Seven. As soon as she got cast and they filmed everything, she lost really bad to Holly Holm. So by the time Seven came out, you're like, what are you doing in this movie? Like you're <laughs> you're done. You've lost twice. Like mm. and she's since faded from the sport. Like that's it. Like but. I'm sorry, like Misha Tate and like Chris Cyborg, they don't look as good as these other two women, so they're not going to put them center stage. Okay, but we're talking about the Gina Carano fight in this one in the subway. Yeah. That's a great set piece. Uh, 
There's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, the tank is, is pretty good. The tank. Oh, yeah, no, this is the tank. This is the... I gotta drive my car into the side of the bridge, catch Letty in midair, turn, crash into another car on the other side, the and yep. just be totally fucking yeah. fine afterwards. No, that whole high... Like, there's some great stuff in there, man. Mm-hmm. Um, a little... It starts to starts to verge on like uh maybe can we rein this in can we get the runtime down a little bit with the the final set piece sequence the the plane the takeoff yeah. the extended runway that goes on seemingly forever mm-hmm. but even as i'm saying that it's like you got the fucking rock and vin like working together in the back of that some great fight sequence like hand-to-hand stuff there you've got the car stuff going on on the ground and then you ultimately have the death of uh giselle of giselle and who randomly just moment, popped in and in fast and furious is like oh yeah i work with this dude that's the other thing i forget that she shows up yeah in four so right. that's the connective tissue for her as well uh but yeah so you have that emotional beat which they don't like do enough justice to in the moment where it's like you guys are all just at the barbecue like, hey, yes, I, I guess Han's kind of sad. It's like, dude, she, she just dove. She died. Like, she just dove out of this franchise. Like, it was like, fuck you, I'm going to be Wonder Woman. Yeah. That was it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a good one. Well, see, the it's thing I do appreciate about like that it. is, is like the end of six. Again, it all goes to the endings of these. The end of six is, I think I'm going to go to Tokyo. She always talked about Tokyo. And then we get the ending credits of like, oh, hey, by the way, hey, Dom, like, you don't know me, but like, oh, you're yeah, going to learn. You get and you realize, and you're out. like, oh, shit. Oh, wow. And it's the same exact Mercedes. It's Han's car flipped over. Oh, it wasn't such a random thing. He was being watched by, oh, no. Who is this dude? And it gives us the payoff for seven, which is the transporter. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> I miss those movies, dude. I really wish Statham would have done the third one. Because wasn't he it did a, three? He did three. That's right. The guy with the uh, he what's did his three, face? and then they rebooted with Screen Ed Screen, I think. Ajax, yeah. Francis, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, He's also in. But yeah, I, I don't really have anything else more to say yeah. about six. But that's when I would say. I that's, mean, the top five I think are like genuinely good movies for the most part. Yeah. Um, I have problems with some of the other ones but i would say from five on we're pretty yeah. solid so about 50 50 on the franchise yeah i don't know if this is a full-on like oh the odd ones or the even ones like which ones are good which ones are bad i don't think it breaks down like that but uh, i mean technically yeah it does to me one three five seven but then by that logic nine would be fucking dope and it's not it isn't yeah so that's true but technically but te- it's 10 be- yeah, which is so even i don't know see in theory which go. would make hobbs and shaw the ninth film in the franchise which i did like yeah, it's true. so it's okay. definitely odds for me all right we're on to four 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 for me is gonna be seven okay interesting yeah interesting yeah four really you want me to just give you the rest of my top ten real quick? I can lay it all out for you. It's real no, simple. We're we're doing this as we go. Okay. My number four is the OG, the Fast and the Furious. Okay. Number three, for me, Tokyo Drift. 
Okay. My number three is the OG. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about the original. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. That's where we're at at this yeah. point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it started at all. It did. It was it was a DVD classic. This was in the early yes. days of DVD for me. For mm-hmm. me having a DVD player in my room, which I believe was just probably my PlayStation 2. Probably. Um, I was obsessed, dude. I don't, I don't know yeah. what it was. It just, it captured my imagination. I had definitely seen Point Break, but like, didn't, not enough in my brain to like make the connection of like, oh, this is fucking Point Break with cars and that's why you like it and that's mm-hmm. why you're enjoying it. Like, because it has a baseline plot that you like to follow, but it, the whole like this is a subculture I've never seen. I was never like a huge car kid, but I did like the look of them, like the style of them. Right. So that was immediately attractive. The whole vibe between the two of them, something about it, dude, it was just like it was just magic. And of course, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, who's this Georgiana Brewster? Who's oh God, yes. Like all of that. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it set the stage. It's it's again crazy to look back on it considering where the franchise ultimately goes um i also think in retrospect it's one of the more it has some solid sequences in it but it's one of the more poorly directed of any of the franchise but uh but that's just rob cohen for you that's just rob cohen that's true so uh yeah your thoughts um it is one of the most endlessly quotable things amongst my group of friends. Anytime we were hanging out, anytime we were ready to go anywhere, it was always, hey, there's a 187 in Glendale. Cops are all over it. Let's race. Mm-hmm. Shit like that. Um, again, I, I, I knew people who, like I said, I knew people who were like doing the things that like were in the zeitgeist after this came out with like, let's swap a motor in like need to right. speed underground and they're doing, Hey, well we got the super, but it's like, we got to fix it up and all like all mm-hmm. that. I knew people who were doing that like before the movie came out. And so there's always this group of people who are like, yeah, okay. Like, I guess that's street racing. I guess that's like Hollywood's version of street racing. And then there was guys I knew who were like, um, uh, MTV true life did a thing about like, I'm a street racer. And it was like people who literally like, you know, they were spending their paychecks on a part to put in their car to then go take out and run and try and race, you know? And it, I, I don't know how much of it. Cause I mean, you know, I'm not lived in LA. I'm not from LA. I have no, no reference whatsoever. I don't know how much of it is like, Oh, this was like an LA movie for like the time. This is what the scene was. And this is a response to that, or if it is so much as like somebody's like, you know, it'd be funny and pretty, pretty cool to try and do. Well, we just did Point Break, but we made it with cars, you know. I think it was a here's a zeitgeisty thing that's in that's a subculture that people are becoming aware of or writing about, right? And okay, how do we graft a narrative onto it? Okay, well, if street racing is illegal. Right. Then why don't we make it a, a cop movie, a crime movie? Right. And it, that's as far as it took him. And then they were like, okay, so what crime thrillers are good? Um, maybe something where we have people on both sides. Um, maybe maybe Point Break? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's just do Yeah, that. let's just do Point Break with that. Yeah. But in, in, even, even in that, it's, it does have this, like, there's a lot of... There's a little bit of a richer texture to the friend and the family group than there right. is in Point Break. You don't really get to know James Legros and the boys no. uh, in Point Break, like, at all. But Or you can argue you know all you need to know by the characters. football scene. Um, yeah. 
Yes, you have like you have the Vince character who does pop back up in in five for a little bit, but you have the Vince character who essentially is like you know, you could look at it as like the scorn lover because he was Dom's guy, like he was my right hand, like oh, I've known you since the third grade, and he kind of gets pushed out by Brian as well as like. I kind of got a thing for Dom's little sister. Well, she's kind of pushing me to decide for this new guy, you know? So there's that level of it there. There's a whole, you know, there's a whole... I don't know what... If maybe this is just a giant study on, like, fatherless males, but it just seems like there's some there's something there with none of these men having fathers. Yeah, yeah. That is just like... I don't know if it's a cautionary tale. I don't know what it is, but it just seems like there's some sort of odd masculinity that comes from your father either not being around in the case of Brian's dead in the case of Dom's or locked up in the case of Jesse and probably half the other guys like you know who who knows what the one thing I do love about going back to the first one is if you look at like the cars the crew is driving they're so much nicer and more badass than like Anything that they drive the eclipse. nowadays. This fucking uh, Vince or Leon, one of the two, is driving a fucking R32 Skyline. You don't think about that. You, when you watch it now, you're like, that's the fucking dopest car there. That's what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he went and got one in the second movie? Because fucking Skylines are awesome. You know? Mm-hmm. As people say, it's the coolest car on the internet. Because, you know, it is what it is. But that leads me... We, again, we are in agreement. This is well, this is my four. You said uh, the original. No, was your four? Yes. And that was my number. I don't know. So we've lost track. Perfect synergy. You've, like we you've lost track. You have. You're supposed to have your list. I have mine right in front of me. Well, I have. I have my top three all picked out. Okay. Well, now we're into the top three. Okay, so you so want maybe to you'll figure it out. Okay, my number three was Tokyo Drift. It's my number two. Okay, <laughs> my number three is seven. Okay, which is my number two. Okay, so let's talk about that. Talk about seven. Yeah. Okay, and then we talk about Tokyo Drift, and we talk about the consensus number one. Unless there's another movie that I don't yeah, know exactly about. Yeah. synergy. Okay. Tokyo Drift. You want to talk Tokyo Drift? Let's do that first. Okay. Then we can talk seven. I don't know if I'm ready to talk I had pretty much... I had checked out on the franchise. Right. Um, I knew this was coming out. Made no effort to see it initially. Didn't even catch up on it until like months down the road after it had come out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, this is, this is really good. Mm-hmm. I was like, they could... They could definitely make some more of these where it's like, it doesn't necessarily have to be 100% centered around just the street racing aspect, but it's it could be different characters who are all drawn to this lifestyle or, you know, just racing in general. Yeah. I was like, it, and it's also kind of the Karate Kid with cars, kind of airborne with cars and yeah. roller skates. And I like that, and it's it's Japan, and I I did not make this connection until after, probably around the time four was coming out. But like I had seen Better Luck Tomorrow, mm-hmm. Justin Lin's first movie, yeah, loved it, owned it on DVD, but had no idea that he was directing a Fast and the Furious movie, right? 
which totally would have made me see Tokyo Drift way earlier. But uh, when I yeah, when I did catch up to it, it's great, dude. I've always loved Lucas Black. Yes. I to to the point where I'm like, I don't really under. I don't know if it's a matter of them not asking him or they want to keep him more in the background. It's like they found a slot for him in nine, but to me, this may sound like sacrilege. In eight, fuck, fuck Scott Eastwood. No, that should have been Lucas Black. Yes, if you're gonna bring in anybody mm-hmm. to try and recapture, I got the mad. Yeah, no, trust energy, me, I got mad at that. You do fucking Lucas Black, dude. Such a missed opportunity. The only, and now they have shifted him off into this like. I love him and Bow Wow and the other kid like hanging out, working on stuff, tinkering. They're kind of like, you know, three cues put together or something. Yeah. I like that. That's a cool dynamic. But you you now, you can't like retcon that character again. You had the opportunity to me to mold him into, because he's supposed to still be younger. I get that. Right. With the timeline shift and everything. But if you bring him in in eight, you... You start to build like, okay, maybe I could see him as a Brian. And then by the time you get to nine, you could still have him in there. And now you're bringing in Cena truly as your rock type persona. Mm-hmm. And now you've rebuilt the family completely. Right. What were they thinking? Well, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think a big part of that for eight was that he was already probably contractually in for CSI New Orleans. Or no, NCIS New Orleans. And I think that show's done now. I think they've, they've finished, like, it's been put to bed. So I don't know if maybe that had something to do with why he couldn't get out of... Because I feel like that... I don't know somebody can let us know. Maybe they did broach that route, but it was like, well, we can't get him because of the TV show, and we just... Let's just do something different. They just didn't want to... They didn't want to try and work around it. Who knows? But, yeah, he is the draw for me. Again, you do have Zachary Ty Douche Bryant in the opening with the Viper. But, again, fish out of water, you know, military kid has to go stay with his dad, stay out of trouble, you know. Okay, now, wait a minute. They don't drive in a straight line over here. You know, him getting indebted to Han. Han being like, it's just a car, man. Like, I'd rather see what you're worth. Like, and you weren't going to back down from this dude. So, fuck it. Yeah, use my car. The character of Han... I have a hard time when they shove him in to five plus. I have a hard time with it because I love this version of Han. Right. Because if you know what this guy is now, it retroactively, and this is what we can talk about the writing retroactively, what happens to Han in this series makes the third movie with him such a fucking better movie. When you watch knowing that this was a man at the last row, his love was gone he had been through all this stuff. He had been making moves with Vin Diesel. So when Vin Diesel shows up at the end of the third one, it's like, I knew Han. Totally plays. But you know why he was on the hustle, why he had money stashed, doing what he was going to do. And it's why it didn't seem like he ever had one woman because his love of his life is dead. Right. He's just going to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Any new girls, models, whatever, does, doesn't matter. He was that dude. A lot of people I knew were like, oh, well, you know, he, whatever. I wanted to be fucking Han in this movie the oh, minute yeah. I saw it. He's the coolest thing he in is the, movie the dude. He is like the he's arguably the coolest character in the entire franchise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and still has not really been given his full on due. No, arguably. I don't I I don't think he has. And and I feel like they made nine that kind of were just like, well, it's also this thing. Amongst us also trying to like introduce Cena and everything else. It's like also, hey, we gave you Han back. 
And it's like, I feel like they did not give it enough time to, like, breathe. And it's like, well, we, you don't get to bring him back again. So you mm-hmm. guys kind of already shot your wad on that. So Yeah. I didn't like the idea I, that, oh, I it was all orchestrated. I do think he needs to have a substantial, like, standalone set piece of or give him a give him a cool pairing i don't know if the girl from nine is now going to be in there i feel like that's the logical thing because it's like after seven when you pick up women they just stay around yeah they picked up what's females in the mix we even talk about because they're doing the well they're supposed to be doing the full-on the female fast movie where it's just the girls oh i didn't realize that yeah well again i'm interested for like okay what is the narrative where like all the guys are just like not in on this one like ladies only i'm very curious but yeah i think that's it's supposed to be 10 part one 10 part two the lady furious movie somewhere in there i don't know okay uh but yeah tokyo drift is great And and it does the thing that i will i will say I've said it before, maybe on this show, maybe I haven't. Because of where it makes everything in the timeline of what happens, it makes complete sense. And I don't know if it's just like luck writing or if somebody actually decided to put this together. But the idea that when you're watching Tokyo Drift, the 350Z and one or two other cars in there are new for the time in 03. But everything else is just... You know, it is an old ricer that somebody's worked on. You know, our, our they don't they were done making RX sevens, they were done making supers, all that kind of stuff. But to know that, like, okay, all this you're seeing with like Tokyo Drift, this is a past version. Like when we are in, when we are at, you know, seven and up, these events, this is something that's already happened to Han. Right. Who knows when? it gives this credence to the idea of tuner culture where it's like, we don't go buy brand new things. We are dealing with 10 plus year old cars, right? That's all any of my friends ever had. Yeah, sure. Some of them went and bought brand new things, but they weren't ripping them apart and doing shit to them nearly as much as they were doing it on 10, 15 year old Japanese cars. Mm -hmm. So I think by way of, like I said, you know, luck writing you know uh, serendipitous writing whatever you want to call it it does give credence to the people who are going to see these movies because they are operating in a space of like oh yeah that's me like I, yeah I had a 10 year old whatever car and I did this to it it does that but it also allows you to basically say hey remember this one little strange third one we tried to do that like the big draw was Vin Diesel coming back in the very end we can make something of this and we can add yeah, it into it our bigger matters. story yeah. and it all matters. And it doesn't feel until you get to nine, it doesn't feel forced. It feels perfect to me in terms of like you lose Han in the sixth one. Cause he's jaded. And at the end of the sixth one, you're also saying, Oh yeah, he died. You remember he died in this third movie, right? Well, now I'm going to show you what happened. It was really this dude out of nowhere. And then when you start the seventh movie, which we can, parlay into seven you start with him getting the phone call of like i'm just fucked your boy up you don't know who i am but you're gonna by the way have you checked your mail lately right it just some of the best writing for what it is in this frame i don't think i've seen a franchise be able to go and pull and call from things and it not feel forced and it not feel just like someone's trying to shoehorn the idea of like did you see the other one have you seen it yet like it it all kind of flows if you are even remotely paying attention 
There's no deep dive you have to do. You can literally watch these like you did and get the connective tissue of, okay, so the events are one, two, four, right. five, six, three, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. I get it. You get it just by watching them. You can watch them in any order you want. But uh, again, that would be the recommended order. Yeah. But So, seven, we have uh, Letty fully back in the mix. And this is, you know, Deckard Shaw now avenging Owen, his brother, who they yeah. didn't fully kill in the previous just movie. Just severely fucked they him up. They just fucked him up. So now I've got to kill all of these people and yeah. blow up his house, etc. Anyways. But they'll all be friends by the next movie, so don't even worry about it. Yeah. Knowing this was the final Paul Walker chapter, um, I was pretty invested in just like seeing that through in general. James Wan killed it, dude. Yeah. I think this is the only one that like stands toe to toe action wise with five. Yes. And you've got the you know, driving through the skyscraper sequence, which is a lot of CG, obviously, but it's just like it's as practical fun. as they can get. Though I want to watch behind the scenes. They did as much as they could um, on screen, and I appreciate it. But incredibly fun sequence. They're globe trotting all over the place, but it has you're you're coming you're coming out of six, which has the great take sequence, and you're like. How they get? They're not gonna. No, they're not gonna be able to do anything. Like they're not. They're not gonna be able to, to top that, right? Right. I think this convoy scene in seven, mm-hmm. where they have to take down the convoy mm-hmm. and rescue Ramsey. That's what they're ultimately there to do. Right. Is up there for like best set pieces in the entire franchise. Oh yeah, I agree. So many great elements to it. Eventually, it builds to friggin'. Uh, Brian having to fight. This one is Tony Ja, right? Tony Ja, Tony ja nice, comes yeah. in and seven. Mm-hmm. They're fighting. They're going at it, dude. Um, the bus gets slung over the side of the cliff. A la like, Jurassic Park to Lost World. Exactly. Yes. He locks him in there. He's like too slow. He figures it out. Runs across the top of the bus as it's falling. Shell Williams fishtails, you know, sticks the spoiler out to save him, basically. And I just look. It's the one element that, like, now, post this movie, is just completely gone from this franchise, which is, like, Tyrese will, like, you know, sit there and comment on, like, how wild something is, and he's supposed to be kind of the voice of the audience. But what I always enjoyed the most was the Brian moments of just, like, oh shit or like oh i gotta do this or that or whatever but there's this moment where like he does all of that she michelle rodriguez manages to save him like slings him to the ground and everything he's rolling through the dirt and he does just have a beat of just like that was fucking wild Mm. like and you just so rarely because there's so Vin is just like he has to be cooler than anything there's so many moments of just like oh i just did some badass shit i'm not even commenting on it but Brian would still have those moments of just like, holy fucking shit. And he just, in the way that he says thank you, though, to Michelle Rodriguez in that scene, I was just like, yeah, they're both kind of acknowledging, like, it's just a fucking wild shit. What are we doing but, here? Like, how do we get here? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I love, but yeah, that set piece does it for me. And then the payoff of him and Tony, which I could tell, again, knowing that he died during production, 
I'm looking for the seams and everything. And like that's a sequence where I was like, okay, clearly this is a lot of stunt work. Like right. the second fight with him and Tony Jaa. Right. But whatever they did and like I, it it played for me. It worked. Yeah, no, Even I didn't, knowing yeah. I was like they have that great final fight and I don't know if it's composite or if they did have this moment or whatever, but when he tells him too slow um oh my god how does he kill him in the end it's the payoff though of like you locked me in here but oh my god i can't even remember now yeah but yeah does that have something to do with the garage parking garage i remember there being a I remember the rock breaking out of the uh the jail with a minigun to shoot down a helicopter in this one and i don't know what it had oh yeah because he's all banged up from wait no that's the end of Wait, what? Which one is he in the hospital for most of? I gotta be eight then, I guess. Maybe that's the end of eight. Or no, it's seven. Yeah. Because him and Shaw have that... That's like the first action set piece, is the yeah. knockdown drag out between Statham and yeah. and The Rock. Yeah. Because this little girl, he's got like, oh, I gotta go to work, all this, and he's like, you know... Yeah, the end of that one is when he like busts out of his own cast and shows right. up with the gun and everything. And then the ultimate end is, of course, Brian's got to go live a family life. Yeah. We get the montage, and it, it worked on me, dude. It totally, I've told totally you. hit. And then I, I love, because I guess I knew this, but, like, and then seeing it carried through in the other movies, like, I love that they just, like, let that character go off. Yeah. And, like, he still exists, and we just reference him. Well, yeah, because they like, make it an eight. They're like, we can't game. call him in on this. Like, he's, he's out of the game, mm-hmm. you know? And but then they want to have Mia back in nine, so it's like, oh, he's taking care of the kids. Don't worry about right. it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's probably all we'll get. So when he did, when they did the moment with him right. showing up at the end, or the car at least, right? I was like, oh, that was a touch of class and very, very moving. Yeah, a good way to go out. I've uh, told you the story of of seven, right? What's that? Like watching it the night of and everything. This was opening night. I went with my friends. We all watched it. Wasn't a dry eye in the house whenever we left. We we go back to Vance's. I mistakenly put the whiskey I'm drinking kind of like in the shadow, so I'm not really paying attention to how much I'm pouring. I'm just like, I'm feeling I'm good. Get back to mom and dad's, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be sick or not. I go to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm just going to sit here for a minute. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to puke. I'm going to be fine. And then I got it in my head that I needed to watch that sequence again. So I start watching it on my phone, and I start bawling my eyes out, drunk, on the toilet. And I'm, like, just like, <laughs> oh, my God, why did he have to go? Like, this is so not fair, blah, blah, blah. To the point that, like, I just, somehow I'm up and I'm moving. And Becky's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, why did he have to go? No. This is, she was like, pull your pants up. It's like, oh, whoops. But, like, somewhere in my drunken, oh, God. of course, I did get up, like, two hours later and puke all over and i was Thanks just for like sharing that part what the yeah. hell that's what she says like what the hell what are you doing i was like i'm sorry i'm sick i just but yeah me crying my eyes out on the toilet at mom and dad's watching the end scene of fast and furious 7 it's just like the absolute worst but still in it it's i can't listen to that song a lot of it is tied into the fact that like not right, that you'd want to but no sorry. It just, yeah, but like I hear just the opening chords of it. And a lot of this is tied into like my friend Daniel passing away around this time. So it's like I still just can't listen to the song. I can't. I've watched it. I've only watched the sequence twice. 
Like when I've seen it on TV and it's starting, I have to turn it off. I, I can't do it. But I think that that all plays into the fact that our shared number one is the best of the franchise, hands down. Tell me what other franchise, five movies in, says, oh, you think it's about this? Nah, man, it's this. And this is what I said on the last podcast. They fucking changed the franchise for you, Noah. They know you love Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) They know you love heist shit, a la Heat. And you still couldn't get back in until now? I know. So weird. I know. Again. So, Five comes out, and I start hearing this rumbling of, like, Five is really good. Yes. It's like, I hate it for. Like, they're not going to get me back for this. So, I don't get to it until it's, like, been out for a while. I probably read boxed it or something. Meanwhile, I'm A1 day one and in the theaters. I, <laughs> and I was genuinely, I was like, dude, that was a blast. Like, that was so much fun. Great stuff, right? And then, I'll be honest with you, I think here's what happened. I listened to the, like, this is right around the time that How Did This Get Made? Uh-huh got into these movies right started doing the adam scott episodes yes and those those episodes simultaneously like take the franchise seriously in a comedic way right and they like they genuinely love it you can tell that they do yes but they highlight some of the ridiculous nature of the franchise which i will argue is only there just a tad bit in the fifth one that's what i'm getting at yeah I think even as much as I loved five watching it, I let like that experience and some of the other reaction I was starting to see to the franchise mm-hmm. color a little bit of my response where it's like, okay, well, this is maybe more of now a guilty pleasure. And I remember hearing like about six and like the airplane chase and like all, or basically the final set piece and like some of the other elements of it that people were just like, Oh God, you know, it's, and it's over the top and it's crazy but it was so much fun and wow blah 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 and I think I started to just assume like okay I can kind of I can kind of skip the actual meat and potatoes of watching these movies I'm just going to kind of watch the discourse around them I'm going to listen to these episodes and like I'm good you know and so I never even gave six a shot seven he passes away but I remember feeling like okay this like I remember hearing the stories about like, oh yeah, they had to like reshoot a bunch of stuff with his his brother, and there was some like CGI compositing and stuff, and I was like, oh okay, well this is probably gonna feel weird and like this weird mishmash. But then I heard like a really positive reaction to it. Still never really caught up with it. And then Fate, a lot of people were down on. Yeah, a lot of people were pissed off because you had you fucking Scott Eastwood. Exactly, <laughs> Scott Eastwood comes in there and starts stinking up the joint. Yeah, so. And so there was nothing. Seven would have been the thing to like, hey, I need to catch up on this. But I had heard like kind of mixed things about six. Like, oh, it was good, but it was not as good as five. And I was thinking like, oh, okay, so we're not really on the upward trend. Maybe this is closer to like four, not knowing that like six is actually pretty damn good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, when I when I went back in this recent bench, like five, I rewatched. I'm like, dude, action masterpiece. One of the best action movies of the last decade. Oh, yeah. Far. Great stuff. I watch six. I'm like, dude, still digging it. Some great stuff in here. I roll into seven. I have the like a, the emotional punch along with like, 
You got James Wan. You got some fresh eyes on this thing. Yeah. I like it. I dig it. And then it's, yeah, I started to hit Burnout in the midst of eight, which is also a very long movie. That's when they've also built to the point of like, these things are two and a half hours long. These are superhero films. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, five, I think is like, I think from the moment from a pure action standpoint goes toe to toe with a lot, a lot of stuff from its, from its era. I will say going back to it this time, as much as I remember the rock being like a, holy shit, do the rocks in this. I don't think he's, I don't think Hobbs is really fully formed. No, he's one. only introduced. Not this. really until six. And, well, yeah. I mean, he's in it a lot, but I'm saying he's not really fully formed to me. Like the until, rock being comfortable playing this character until, until I would, six. I would say midway through seven. six. Because it's definitely they with what they Brian tells you about like this guy's Old Testament like he'll come after you and the way that he's so militant in what he does and then like watching his team get ripped apart and then like wait a minute these guys that I've been fighting they are fighting this guy too like and they're willing to help me so like one of my favorite things he's like I'll ride with you Toretto I'll do it like oh shit oh yeah you know like the scene where they. And it's weird because, like, everybody wants to talk about, like, well, when the fuck did this happen? And I'm thinking, well, Vin Diesel's a career criminal, and Brian's an FBI agent turned criminal. You got Vince in there who, a career criminal, they can handle themselves with a gun. So when they bust out and they're, like, taking these dudes down, trying to help Hobbs and his team when they get ambushed, that to me is, like, the start of... Well, now these guys are going to be able to do things that you didn't think they would do right? when the they were talking about, like, who's a buster and holding money and right. trying to rob trucks, you know? It's like, if you get from the point that one of them is strapped on the end, you know, the end of the first one, Vince on the truck, all that shit. If you get from that point on that they've taken an L, you realize that maybe Vince, Dom, and uh, uh, Mia all were like, well, that's never happening again. So we're going to beef up. Like, we're going to work out. We're right. going to get good with guns. We're going to be able to handle ourselves because, one, we're not going to let a slippery FBI agent get in our ranks again. And two, we're going to be prepared the next time some shit goes down. Right. And you parlay that into you get the payoff with Vince when he's like, you, you know, you fucked up my family. You know, like, how do you think I feel? You get the whole, like, we, what are we going to do? What are we, this, this, and that. And finally, then being like, hey, we can't go anywhere. Like, we can't, we, we, we got to do something because Mia's pregnant, you know, we're on the run, all this other stuff. And one of my favorite sequences is that opening, just like, let's take the car over the bridge and see what happens deal. Probably oh, one of the best of the stunts in the entire, yes. In absolutely. You throw in a great bad guy. I don't care what movie he's in, whether he's Bucho. Yeah, we didn't really rank whether the bad he's guys, in this. All, all Bucho showing up is yeah. definitely I can't can't me. get mad at that at all. You got again the the chase sequence, and the twist of the chase sequence, dude. At the end, it's just a, it's like a oh, fucking yeah. chef's kiss. It's a chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The final set piece with the safe is absolutely incredible. Yeah. We love five. It's the undisputed best of the franchise. Indeed. We're gonna reveal our picks for two by two in just a second. We gotta get out of here. I do want to pitch to you very quickly. Go for Here's it. Here's all I want from ten. Okay. They've been doing all this globe trotting international stuff dude these high stakes world ending events you take the only two maybe 
there's a third in the mix there. But for, for my money, the only two car films that stand head and shoulders above anything the Fast franchise has ever been able to achieve. Gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> Dude, Gone in 60 seconds is a great fucking movie. No, it is one of the best car movies ever made. But, oh, it's dead, dead serious. No, uh, but the two I'm specifically thinking of would be Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. And Speed Racer from the Wachowskis. Okay. Okay. I want a fast movie that doesn't ever leave a fucking car. leave a car. Yeah. I want it Cannonball Run style almost. They're all in a giant convoy. They all got to get somewhere. Now, the setting you can pick. Maybe they have to drive coast to coast through America. That could be interesting in and of itself because we've been globetrotting. What if there's this thing or this like convoy we have to oversee, whatever. But I want the movie to start with in media res they're in the midst of the mission Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you've seen speed racer or seen speed racer recently but another miracle of editing where it's like in that first race sequence in speed racer they tell you the entire backstory and setup you need but it's all in the midst of those three laps right that he's doing and it goes into flashback and it's all one fluid camera okay right it's insane so i'm saying you keep them in the cars, and you can have flashback moments or like, hey, I'm thinking back to this briefing scene or whatever, if you want to. I would love for it to be all, this is happening, we piece together. Present moment what is the- all in a vehicle, it is not moving. Maybe they all aren't even there, and you're like, well, how do we get to just these people in this car? Yes. Where? What are we doing? Are they going to join? Are they dead? But we have I, no idea. I want one set mission, not a bunch of little, we got to go to do this thing, to do this thing. I want the whole movie to be a set piece. They already have sequences in these movies where they talk to each other through the cars, either through walkie-talkies or sometimes just straight up just are talking to each other even when the windshields are up and stuff. They already do so much of that that I really think, like, do we need any of the downtime? I It's the exact opposite of what you're talking about. Right. It's like, give me the barbecue thing. I'm like... Give me the sustained action, and I don't. I don't need it for two and a half hours. Give me an hour and forty minute right breakneck. All like the whole movie is a set piece movie, and I think that that's a direction to go that doesn't have to be bigger and bigger in spectacle and like how much crazy shit can we do? How much more CG can we throw on top of shit? Do we need to now put multiple cars in space? It takes it back down to a ground level of like practical stunts. And you can have all the crazy like military like ordnance and shit of people that are attacking them. Like you can have crazy armored vehicles and yeah. all that shit if you want to. But I want a whole whole movie that is a chase, basically. Yeah, no, I And I think that'd be such an awesome way to do ten, which could have been your final chapter, but they've already said it's, you know, ten part one and part two. So and you know it's going to be some ridiculous, crazy, world-ending shit once again. And I know I'm but going to go I, see it. That's I would the other love, thing, too. I can't I would love say for them I'm, to dial back out. that. And I'm right there, too. I'm not checked out after 9. I'll go see Hobbs and Shaw 2 or the female Fast and the Furious movie. Like, I'm reinvested to the franchise and to a level now that I just simply because I did go and watch right. the midsection of them. And I I have a an ironic and also a legitimate appreciation for what they are. Right. Uh, so... That's where I'm at with it. Five is unequivocally the best. We can both agree on that. Okay. 
real quick, you will be able to go vote on this on Instagram after this episode is posted. But we have a two by two retro review that is due for July, and we wanted to make it's it's hot. It's getting hot, so Very we hot. wanted to keep things extra steamy, and we're doing some erotic thrillers. So that you've helped us with, in the past on our Super Mario Brothers Michael Clayton episode. Yes, we're each going to give you four, and you're going to pick your favorite right. from each of us. Mm-hmm. And then those two movies are going to go not head to head, but they're, they're going to be discussed in the same episode. And that'll be yeah. our July two by two. So, real quick, Gavin. Your four suggestions. Do you have them in front of you or you need me to pull up that text? Did I say Wild Things? You did say Wild Things. Bound. Bound. Body Heat. Yes. And... Bruce Willis. Oh, Color of Night. Color of Night. Yes. So again, that's Wild Things. Color of Night. Bound. Speaking of the Wachowskis. And Body Heat. Speaking of Steamy. I'm Um, really hoping it's either Color of Night or Wild Things. I won't accept it unless... (laughs) Okay, so that's that's what Gavin would like for you to pick, yeah. but those are his four to pick from. Uh, I'm not going to tip my hat any particular direction. Here are my four. The Last Seduction. Okay. Okay. Eyes Wide Shut. Ooh. We've never talked about a Kubrick movie together. I'm, I don't think I've watched that all the way through ever either. You guys could force Gavin to do that. Body Double. We could go back to back to Palma. Ooh. We could do it. Thought about Dress to Kill, but no. No. Um, and finally, we could also bring a little old David Lynch back to the equation, and we could do Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I didn't realize that was a sexual thriller. Oh, you bitches. <laughs> Whoa. It is erotic. Okay. And thrilling. You never saw Blue Velvet? No. It was erotic. From Seinfeld. <laughs> Mommy? <laughs> I just love when you say that. Like, Mommy. <laughs> okay. It's so fucking terrible. Oh, God. Yeah. R.I.P. Dennis Hopper. Okay. Uh, is that it? Are we uh, that's done? It. Yeah, make sure you we... go vote. Um, give Fast and Furious uh, 9 another chance. Oh, I yes. Guess, go maybe. vote on the poll I just gave you. I was like, dude, is there an election coming? No, yes, we're, we're electing which movies we're going to pick, man. We are. Uh, you go to I Instagram need you people to get that, out and vote. And we are uh, at the Arc of E Network. If you're not already following us, please do so there. You can also email us if you want to with your picks. If you're if you're a little more old school, if you're not mm-hmm. on, not up with the whole social media game, you can email us the Arc of E at gmail dot com. And uh, oh, and check out our Patreon. It's Patreon dot com slash the Arc of E. Thank you to all of our current subscribers. You help keep the show going. Uh, and we'll probably have some bonus content up for you coming in October. Definitely. And I will be making a new tier at some point because we have been kicking around the idea of doing our first ever commentary, which would definitely be at a new tier level where eventually you could just go drop like, hey, I want to drop like five bucks for the month and be able to listen to like hours and hours of film commentaries from these guys. That's the idea, anyways. Uh, so more on that later. But for now, uh, I have been Noah. And I have been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. And you've been listening to what we've been watching. And we'd like you to remember, it's all about family. It's all about living your life a quarter mile at a time, Noah. Probably and the best the... line of Fate of the Furious. Dom, you once said, 
<laughs> you live your life a quarter mile at a time. What if you could live your life like that all of the time? <laughs> I'm like, Charlize, what the fuck does that even mean? Bro, hang on. Cypher? We didn't even... Who are you? <laughs> what are you? This... Who are you? Joey Pants from the Matrix? What are you... Can I just say, her fucking haircut. You know what she is? Ooh. She's Angelina Jolie from Hackers. <laughs> That's what she is. She's That's like what she would go she's on acid to be. She's burn. She would go on to be Cypher. <laughs> yes, that 100%. Yep, that's it. She is Kate Libby. Oh, dude, if they just said her name, her real name was Kate Libby, I would fucking... <laughs> best writers in you, history. You, <laughs> say, you mark my words, we'll see Johnny Lee Miller in this next picture <laughs> in part one. What if... Oh, man. Crash... They gotta go get Crash Override. And they gotta get Lord Nikon. And Joey. <laughs> Joey. And Joey. Joey. Yeah. Um, and of course, serial killer, the great Matthew Lillard. Dude, Matthew Lillard would knock a Fastest and Furious cameo out of the fucking park. Are you kidding me? Have you seen him in all the shit game. he's been in lately? You know what? In fact, I want you to imagine Hobbs and Shaw and remove Ryan Reynolds because you know who it's occurring to me had the... Smart ass, high energy. I'm above all this shtick. Before Ryan Reynolds, Matthew Lillard kind yeah. of pioneered it. Uh, yeah, I could. Yeah, I get behind that. Yeah. Put him in that same role. Maybe it's higher on our list. Until next time, <laughs> we're done. I'm stopping the recording. Okay, good. I'll... We're hitting the brakes. <laughs> <laughs>